is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the UK Steelers podcast. You join us always by me, Simon Stanley, and we got Mike Farrell, we got Gavin Marshall, we got Kets in the building. How are you doing, guys? Not too bad, although I have had a couple of sleepless nights recently. Well, one, mainly. Mm. What's keeping uh, you up at night, Gav? Because it's, it's depressed, personal related. So we, me and a group of friends went down to Canberra Sands. Now, none, none of you northerners will know where I've the heck that is. I've heard that. That's like a fancy holiday in place down south, isn't it? It's not fancy. There's a pontins there. It's not that fancy. I went there once as a kid. Right, so I don't know if I should admit this on air because I'm only cementing my own problem. But <laughs> so we had we had a barbecue. There was like twenty or so people there, kids, families, and like, I don't know why. I I agreed to do the barbecuing, so it involved you know carrying stuff from the car to the beach and everything. And I realised just literally as we were setting off and packing to leave to go to the beach that I needed some some kind of material to burn on the beach to to set the coals on fire. I've got like a little chimney to set, you know, you put the, the coals in the chimney and then you put paper underneath to light it. And then you put the, once they're lit, they all go grey. You pour them on the barbecue, happy days, you're off. Rather than pouring, you know, lighter fluid on the barbecue. Philip Bridge knows what I'm talking about. Any, any barbecue expert, let's say do it. <laughs> I picked up my usual bag of, of paper burning stuff, right? Which I've always got a bag of ready for a barbecue in case you need to grill it last minute. Get down there, happily, you know, I'm drinking a few beers. I'm happily relaxing. Uh, suddenly I needed to rearrange the coals. I've used my glove to move a coal, but it, I, I held a coal longer than I usually do. And my glove set on fire. So then I buried the glove under the sand to put it out. A few a few San Miguel's later, I forgot about that glove. So that's still buried somewhere on Canberra Sands Beach. Now, at the end of the evening, there was a couple of ladies that were quite cold. So I, I poured the barbecue coals and made a fire pit and poured the barbecue coals into the into the pit and left them there. And then we covered that up with ice and sand and walked away. It was only as I was lying in bed thinking, hang on a minute, all that paper I used to start the barbecue was my shredding. That's all my, my accounts my bank statements, my credit card statements. That's got my name, my email address, my bank account all over it. And I've been like, and and it says no barbecues, thousand pound fine. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm expecting a phone call from the, the uh, Kent police saying, uh, hello, is that you, Mr. Marshall? Yeah, I believe you left your uh, credit card statement in amongst some illegal calls there. So that's, that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> do you think I need Marshall, to be, do you think I need to be worried? Over. Wow. Yeah. Do, do I need to be worried or not? Am, am I going to get yeah, away with it? You'll be I worried. think you've got plausible deniability there. I think you could say someone came in your trash and it was just a coincidence. Well, that's what I was going to say, but <laughs> is that ridiculous? No, I think I can get away with that. They need I was going to gonna say I left out. a bag of my accounts from 2011 on the train. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. Anyway, if you get on with the show. Sorry, yeah, I don't know how we went on a three-minute diatribe about your barbecue. But I, I, I like it is it. in the back of my mind. I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, we got a view of where your headspace is now coming out of this third preseason game. That's good. All right. Okay. Let's um, go. <laughs> and if any members of the Kent Constabulary are listening, thank you for your service. We do appreciate it. <laughs> At least the people of Kent are safe. Oh, yeah, they drive right, their pick up and down there looking for lost children. Apparently, there were 81 children uh, reconnected with their families. Over the last couple of weeks down at Canberra Sands, which is what the man told me. What does that mean? Yeah, crazy. Where what? did he go? 
they just get lost. They go for a little explore. They... Anyway, let's move on. Stop talking <laughs> about Camden Sam. Right, anyway, um, to, 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 some, uh, to some housekeeping. A little bit later in the show, we're going to get into our fantasy... Don't want to call it an extravaganza. That's that's ripping ATL straight off. What can we call ours? I don't know. Do we have a name for it, Gav? Spectacular. Fantasy Spectacular. Thank you. That'll work. We'll 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 brainstorm that for next year. Um, bit of housekeeping. Shout out to our patron producers, Mark Hansen, Rob Ferguson. You very very special young men. And uh, oh. Thank you. <laughs> I like the that. Patreon as, horns. Yeah, I like that as the little sound drop for the uh, for the producers. I like that. Um, go to patreon.com forward slash UK Steelers podcast to support the show if you are so inclined. Um, okay, let's get into talking about this preseason game. Uh, preseason game number three, the last one we will see before the week off, and then the regular season kicks off versus Cincinnati. Steelers never looked in much trouble in this game as they beat the Lions 19-9 to go unbeaten 3-0 in preseason live at Acrishaw Stadium. The offense will start there if you'd like. Oh, do you want to start with some some high level stuff? I thought there was some kind of more high level stuff going on in this game uh, in terms of there was flags all over the place. The team maybe looked a little bit undisciplined. Do you want to start positive or negative? Was the most excitement exciting moment when the chains were broken? Yes, I did write down yes. in all caps chains broken. Um, about half a second after I wrote DJ Hurt. So, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, a bad little spell there. It was, it was. And then TJ goes down, and I, I was ready to just pack it in for the year, come back for season five. But, you got to love Tomlin sticking to his guns, isn't he? Like two of his starters go down. He's, he's still keeping Najee out there. He doesn't care. Yeah, I'm going to say so. Maybe that's a good place to start because that does seem to be like a an area of consternation for Steelers fans online. Why were the starters in so long? Um. I think, you, yeah, you're probably right. You've got to stick with what you plan to do going in. You can't live in your fears, as Matt Tomlin would say. Not a man to live in his fears. But would and, you be demonstrated playing, it this game? Would you be playing no, that much? I wouldn't, have done, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. have done it. No, I wouldn't have done it, no. I was shaking in my boots. My 10-year-old daughter was shaking. She was screaming at the game, going, get Narjay out. Why <laughs> is he still playing? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seemed like a, a little more. Maybe one or two series is what I expected, but he played the full half, right? He played into the third quarter, didn't he? Did he? Really? Even more so, yeah. Thought yeah. Um, I think a lot of the analysis might be similar on the O-line, so maybe we'll start there as we roll through. We'll get to the QBs in a second, but I feel like we've got to get this out of the way now every week. Is there any positives to be taken from the O-line this week? I feel like Chucks hasn't had a bad preseason as a whole. I think if we're looking for positives, I've been happy with what he's put on tape, yeah. Um, already struggling, though. Mason Cole has been fine. I mean, the whole the, on that on that third down sack, the whole line got yeah, pushed everyone back, did. Like, of house Except Chucks. Except Chucks. Chucks pushed the guy around the back of Trubisky, yeah, so was yeah. actually semi-effective on the play in terms of his individual job. But the rest of them were bloody useless. Yeah, the whole interior that it was it was embarrassing. I really, think it? everyone got flagged right. Dan Moore looked horrible again, which is becoming the main concern. If your left tackle is a complete mess. Going into the I just, I, I, I just hate this position that he's been thrown in. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he should have been given time to develop behind, behind a veteran. Why, you know, it got away with it last year. Don't thrust him back in this year. I mean, surely there's a cut down candidate, someone, somewhere. I mean, I've seen. I don't know if you've seen the. Uh, sorry, going straight into my O line rant. <laughs> but you've seen the um the D, the Steelers Depot piece about they, they've been going on about you know trade for Andre Dillard because he's lost his he's a former first round pick lost his spot to uh, Mylata 
but they've they've got a piece up there about some other cut down candidates to bring in, and none none of them are particularly exciting names. You know, this this should this should have been addressed earlier. But anyway, don't let me don't let me start. <laughs> um, so I mean, is there anything else we want to take from the old lab? We can sit here and complain about it all day, right? But it, we we need to give them time to gel. I saw a message from a tweet from uh, Duke Mayweather. You know, the guy who does spends a lot of time working with a lot of the Steelers O-line training. He was talking about how uh, they need to be given some time to gel. This, You know, for the third-year guys, this is the third different offensive line coach in three years. Blah, 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 blah. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, th- there's certainly points to be made, but I think there's also concessions that need to be made about guys that just are not ready to see an NFL field Kendrick Green. <laughs> um, Dude comes in, gets a holding penalty immediately. Yeah, <laughs> it's just comedy stuff in it at this point, but... I think Kendrick Green is the prime example. I, I mean, I think he really is a candidate at this point to, to, to be caught. If not at the initial 53, then, you know, if there's somebody maybe the Steelers want to look at bringing in. Well, I'm sure they know because on the on the tweet where the official Pittsburgh Steelers account announced the signing of Adrian Ely, it was about 100 people, if not more. <laughs> I mean, it could be more saying, cut Kendrick Green over and over and over again. <laughs> Just brutal. Oh, I mean, poor so, Kendrick Green, so don't log into yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Let's move off the old line because it's, it's depressing. Nah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, QB. Mitch, I thought, finally got his uh, two-minute drive in that we, we've been kind of waiting for this preseason. <laughs> Pulled it off well. Um, some tasty throws in the final minute of that first half. The long Was the long throw to DJ Mitch? It was, right? It was early enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. outside the long yeah, throw. Yeah, outside, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the DJ kind of went out on thinking he injured his shoulder. Um, yeah. That was a beautiful play. Dropped yeah. right in the bucket. So impressed with what I saw out of Mitch. Glad that you got the chance to kind of go out there and do a little bit of what Kenny Pickett's been especially start this preseason. Yeah, the two-minute drill was was outstanding. I thought it showed that he was ready to, to run. You know, had the keys to the offense belonged to him. And I think maybe they robbed him a little bit of that, of always taking away those high-pressure situations. So I'm mean, actually excited to see what he can do. Um, the the seam power ball to Muth on that drive was, was nice as well. Gorgeous, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. If I can gush over Kenny Pickett for a moment, um, I mean, just continue to impress with me. What, what what really impressed me in this game, and if you'd have been watching me while I was watching this game, Chloe was kind of wandering around doing odd jobs in the kitchen because it was a bit earlier, it was at 9pm, and every so often I'm just going, oh, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking at me, she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at him, look at the weight, look at the ball placement on this throw. He's, I'm literally sat there trying to explain this to Chloe, who does not care whatsoever. And I'm sat there, I'm like, the way he's positioned that ball... It's gone over the shoulder on the outside, and it's comp- mm. even though he's in tight coverage, he's placed it where only the receiver can go and get it. And she's just looking at me, like you know, completely confused at the situation. But that was what yeah. impressed me about Kenny in this game, and I couldn't help but verbalize it because that's just some really high level stuff that you don't see every rookie doing in the third preseason game. Yeah, well, it's like last year I talked about. You know, we've seen him deliver the ball inside the numbers. Well, we saw we, we saw him get two amazing balls outside the numbers, mm-hmm. drive the ball with, with power outside. The the second and seven play action where he threw outside with velocity. All right, all right, it was from the near hash, so it's not across the field, but the velocity he got on that throw to Boykin was was impressive. For, 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 for a veteran, you'd be saying that's a great pass. For a rookie, I was like, geez, that's a nice pass. And then again, where he, again I think the one you're talking about where he, he threw it, to, to Boykin on the outside where the DP couldn't get it. I mean, two fantastic passes. So it, it's hard not to get sucked into the hype with yeah. everyone else. I mean, Kets, bring me down to earth here. What's, 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 <laughs> what's, uh, what, how can we be more realistic about Pickett? I mean, everything you see, you know, every week, it's good. There's nothing, 
not to like about it, but you know, he is going to have that that kind of rookie dip at some point, as and when he does start, he's going to have a couple of difficult weeks, especially behind the O line. And it's whether he's got the the kind of character and, and temperament when he hasn't got the whole of Pittsburgh screaming Kearney, Kearney every single week. And, you know, you get some kind of negative people talking about him and whether he's got the sort of character and mental fortitude to deal with that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, preseason looks very good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Mike, I mean, did you see this coming? How I can't remember how high you were. I mean, we were all in on him, I think, but... And I haven't got my big board spreadsheet open, sugar. Um, I think it's a given oh, now. You need that open for every show. I, I think so, yeah, <laughs> just just for that one nugget. Um, look, the stats so far have been class, haven't they? Let, let's be fair. Um, they haven't thrown him to the wolves. He's, he's been given a fair crack and he has probably played better than most of us would have expected, arguably. Well, I mean, the play is phenomenal. What is he? Something like 36 pass attempts. I think it's 29 completions for just shy 300 yards and two touchdowns. No picks. Actually, in fairness, credit. No QB has a pick in the entire preseason. Yeah, credit where it's due. It's been great yeah. work from all the QBs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and pick holes. And you know, I saw one pass to the sideline that was a little bit flawed. That's fine. If we're gonna comment on one pass, then let's not waste our time. Really. Um, pleasantly surprised with, with all the positivity across the whole of the three weeks or the three games from him. It's just going to be that case now of at what point does Tomlin pull the trigger? That's that's where I was going to go next. So I in when we did our schedule show I said the picket point I put Mitch crumbling on in prime time in week 11 at home to the Bengals and then uh, Pickett coming in and forces win against the Colts and then pick it starting week 13 against the Falcons. So is anyone going to go before that? Does anyone want to, let's put our cards on the table. Where do we think Pickett? So I'm, I'm saying Pickett starting by week 13. Just having a look at some of the defenses that we've got to play midway through the season, Buffalo, Tampa, Miami, Philly, Saints. That's a tough run. That is a really, really tough run. Do yeah. we want to throw him in that? Exactly. Do we I don't think you want do. to give him... You know, because after that, Bengals, Colts, Falcons, okay, Ravens are there, Panthers, Raiders. Do we, that, that's going to be the juggle. You know, that, that's going to be the juggle. At what point do we want to put him in? When is, when is Tomlin going to, you know, pull the, pull the cord on Mitch after he's had a run of, you know, a bad run? But, but, you know, Mitch has played well. Um, if, if I was to knock him a little bit, the, the sack that you mentioned goes where, where Chucks was the only one who had any sort of decent play out of it. I sort of feel like Mitch's pocket awareness issues there sort of flagged up because he, he didn't move. Like, he didn't even look to move and the whole world was collapsing around him. But he's he's done enough to warrant the starting job week one. And as I've mentioned, Ooh. many many a time, I've got a 9-1 to one bet on that, so please. Wow. So what, where, where do you think it is, him? Where do you think the picket point is? Are you saying week one or no? No. When... The boys week nine. Boys week nine, and you've got two home games. You've got um, yeah. New Orleans Saints and Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, yeah. that makes the most sense for me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too upset. You know, ignore injuries and and all the rest of that sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe maybe around the boy a week or okay. so. So week eleven. So I put you down for week eleven. 
ten. <laughs> um, okay, I've looked into my crystal ball and I've got the answer. Okay. The Steelers will be losing by two touchdowns or two scores to the New York Jets in week four following a disappointing <laughs> two and one start and a squeaky bum time win against the Browns in week three. I've got uh, Wilson is junk in my notes and that for, for that week. A, a, a disappointing two and one. Over. No, sorry, disappointing one and two. Right. Okay. Uh, which is maybe what you'd expect there, but but and then we're we're out there and and the struggles. The quarterback play hasn't been great. The O line's been struggling. We're losing to the Jets in a game we should be winning at home. And either Pickett comes in at the end of that game when we were down, or he starts the next week away at Buffalo. Mike Tomlin doesn't care where it is. He doesn't need it to be at home. He wants it away Oof. from crying eyes against the biggest competition. That's a bold prediction. You're going to throw the start rookie, picket rookie starter out against the Buffalo in Buffalo. Not only am I going to do it, he's going to win and he's going to outplay Josh Allen. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow, sir. Okay, I, I will. I will put a bet on that. <laughs> I'd like to know what the odds are. All right, Kets, where are you, my friend? I think it's. I think it's similar to what Mike said in terms of the bye week. I think he starts the first time week ten against the um, the Saints. But it wouldn't surprise me if he gets the odd series here and there. Oh, yeah, definitely get the odd series here and there. But, yeah, starting. Okay, you guys gone week 10. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a logical logical uh, guess. So a bye week and then two home games. That, that's what, for me, drives it. And I think the Eagles away game is always going to be a bit intimidating, just given their kind of atmosphere. So I could see... Uh, it, just, it does seem like a long... Like, we're, we're saying Pickett's not... So season starts September 11th. Pickett won't be getting a start until the middle of November, like near Thanksgiving. It just seems like a long time away, doesn't it? Yeah, but I, I think it's I think it's very much the Steelers' mo to do something like that. I don't yeah. uh, ease them in slowly. That's why I've gone with Week 13. I just think against the Falcons, soft opposition, and then and then you come straight back home to the Ravens, like a real test. And then and then you run out the season with Carolina Raiders away to Baltimore, and then Cleveland at home, and then into the playoffs, hopefully. You can't hold out elite for long. It's true. It's true. And who knows? <clears throat> you know, who knows with a mobile QB like Trubisky, it could happen earlier through injury. You know, hopefully not. Mm. But, you know, anything can happen. So it's, it's great that he looks so ready. Yeah. Um, it, I, it's, a, it's the number one thing I've been excited. I mean, maybe this is obvious, but, you know, in terms of the offseason, uh, seeing him and his development in these first three preseason games, it's got me very excited yeah. for this season and for what the future holds. Well, because it's something we've never experienced before yeah, as, yeah, as a serious totally. fan. I mean, even Gav, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, when you started your Steelers fandom, was that prior Big Ben? Before the... It was, but it wasn't in the same way as it is now because I didn't mm. have access to every live game. So it yeah, was yeah. following so We're, we're, following we're all sort of singing from the same hymn sheet a wee bit. Um, yeah, at least that sort of shiny new toy sort of thing. And, and actually, you know, first off, it's, it's looking kind of okay. I think it's fair to be this... Uh, be excited. Oh, I'm excited for my Kenny Pickett tattoo that I'm going to get after he wins the Super Bowl oh, in year one. Oh, okay. you heard it here. Wow. <laughs> Where well, is it going to be his Find face that. with like QB1 written across it and Super Bowl? Is it that guy with, with um, Pickett number nine on his back already? <laughs> I, I like that. Number nine? Yeah. Uh, whatever. Is, and he misspelled it, it with two T's, I, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure what's going on with that tattoo. Oh, I just, I just thought you were implying he picked the wrong number or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's carry on with this uh, this rundown. So we get to the running backs. Um, I thought Najee looked looked sort of spry and, and ready. I think the most interesting thing maybe to talk about with him was his sideline interview. 
Um, I don't know, man. The, the play where he like shepherded the his blocker or his linebacker that he was carrying into another blocker was just pure genius. Ooh. He like created his own rub play. I don't know if you saw that. It was <laughs> it was brilliant. It, it was just such an amazing play. It didn't go that far, but it was just like, oh wow, okay, that's that's skill right there. Just just dragging, almost like he'd like copied and pasted like dragged a little box over his marker and gone okay you're going to go into that guy and that's going to free up it's like you could see it all like the calculation in his head and it happened it was so good it's a little bit bizarre that Najee plays the same position as Benny Snell yeah (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't feel right but uh yeah he looked great um yeah, you know, right. I've got to touch this interview. What was going on there with the? He asked him what he did for fun over the summer, and then the, he just looked like he was buffering for about ten seconds. <laughs> no fun, league man. <laughs> no fun. Do your job. No days off. I uh, I love Najee, but I tell you what, he's not a guy I think I'd want to interview. <laughs> he seems a touch difficult <laughs> to talk to. I don't know. I think that's a bit unfair. No, I I'm not it saying wasn't... it like a bad. Th- I'm not saying like he's like he's not. I'm not saying he's difficult like in a diva way. I just say like I don't. <laughs> I think he's difficult to have a conversation with. I think he's like you've got to know, know him. Yeah, I don't, he seems quite friendly and like yeah. he's. I don't. I don't think he's. You know, he's not like a guy that's going to give you three grunts and a head. Yes, he's, yeah, I appreciate know, that. He's got a personality. He's lucid. Yeah, yeah. I just think. I just think that was a side. I think he was expecting all business, and he someone threw him. You know, like if yeah. he came on this podcast within two seconds, we'd be asking you know ridiculous questions, and he wouldn't know how to answer. I think. Exactly. I think that's fair enough from a business point of view yeah i'm not having to go at him i just think i just think i'm just saying personally i think i would struggle i think i'd feel like an idiot if i was interviewing Najee harris i think he would like i would say something stupid and he would uh, make it known but anyway oh, okay uh jalen warren i thought and we and got, got oh. some love from uh, baldy brian baldinger on twitter as well who uh one of his udfas he called out but mike i like the gasp talk to me yeah this this guy's gotta be rb2 i, th- I think I um if you get the chance and look back at the tape at some of the past pro reps, uh, he just just chipping guys and not afraid, not afraid of contact. Physical, you know, gets his hands, gets his pants up, uh, his pads up high. Yeah, this guy has to be running back too. Um, I'm I'm all in, totally all in. Jello Warren now. Shout out to you, sir. You 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 clocked him straight away, didn't you? Even... I don't know. I did. I think you might be mixing that up. I think um, unless wait, wait, what are you saying? Are you talking about the fifty-three man roster thing? Because that was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I did have a UDFA on there, but it was a bit of a punt, so I had Matteo Durant. So I was. I thought I, was I thought you had half. Warren on. I I think because I I was on the Durant train like everyone else, and yeah. I thought you I thought you were on the Warren train. Maybe no. I got that wrong in my mind. Maybe not okay. until after preseason week one. Fair enough. Um. Yeah, no, he impressed me when he came in. You just see the the difference in burst to Benny Snell, right? I mean, there was one, I think it was only went for like five yards, but the way that he was able to sort of show some burst and get, you know, bounce out to the outside, showed some real explosion, impressed me. So, yeah, I agree. I think Warren needs to be RB2. Don't know what that means for Benny Snell. Don't know what that means for Anthony McFarlane. But... Well, I think I think the question you've got to ask is, who is the running back out of these three that you mentioned that's going to overcome this poor O-line? And actually, I thought I felt like it was Master Teague was was the yeah. guy that could overcome poor O-line play most, just because he seemed to have that intensity just to, to fight for extra yards. I'm wondering if if Jalen Warren's the next next guy. I mean, it's, I don't I, think I, it's Snell. It. No. So then it's between him and McFarlane. No, no, I actually think this was McFarlane's best game as a Steeler. I don't know. What do you think? 
it it ends up if if we end up with Harris, Warren, and McFarland, that's three very different backs. Now, which one of those do you pull to bring in Benny Snell? And Snell has brings his own skill set. Mm. I don't know. It feels like Snell's just sort of back up to to your, your you know your, the guy that you can just give the rock to, and he's just going to pound it for the whole game. He can just you know he's not going to crumble. Whereas I don't know that Warren's that tested in that role. Let me have a look if I can see if I can get some college stats out of Jalen Warren. But then again, I think Warren can provide a heck of a lot more in pass pro. Indeed. So then, so then Warren, you want in on third down, pass obvious passing situations. So it's tricky. It's almost like you want to keep all four and use them sparingly, but that's unlikely. And I think I would rather keep Warren than Snell at this point. Yeah. Um, here we go. Finally, year at OK Go on, Gaffer. Fire away. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't want to cut McFarlane because I think he's got upside, untapped upside that we've seen glimpses of this preseason that we've yet to see. And in the, in the, the yardage, the speed, the hitting the hole, the outside runs, the return ability, all that I want on the roster. You know, I'd rather have that than, I hate to say it, I'd rather have that than Connor Hayward. I'd rather have that than Derek Watt. So I want, I want McFarlane around yeah, at this too. point. I think my ideal would be Najee, Warren, McFarlane, but I appreciate there's special teams considerations that are going to go into play in closed rooms that I'm not party to. And if they chose to keep Snell over McFarland, I wouldn't be overly upset with that decision. But Warren, I would be I would be upset if they kept if they stuck with Snell and McFarland. They cut Warren, and then I'd be yeah. Like, well, just looking at some of Warren's uh, college stats, he had four games in his final year over thirty touches. Including one against Baylor, he had 38 touches, and he in those three games he went for 218, 125, 193. You know, so this, this but he only has four. He only has 400 career rush attempts. He did very right. little at Utah State the years before. So st- the legs are fresh, but if you know, if we need to change it up a gear, God forbid, Harris got injured. We've got a guy who has got the durability and the physical traits to, you know. Play the hole, run straight up the goal. Mm. You know that's tough decision. Yeah, you know, really tough. To, I imagine it's they're thinking long and hard. Do you think Jalen Warren's done enough that if they cut him and try and get him onto the practice squad, he'll get picked up? I, I mean, so. if if Baldy is talking about yeah. him, then that means other oh, running back rooms have yeah. noticed him, doesn't it? It does feel like his name's popped up a little bit in these kind of national media people looking for UDFA's, looking for potential cut guys. No. I don't think he'd see the practice squad. Totally agree. Um, you want to move on to receiver? Uh, yeah. DJ obviously looked great with that big long sideline grab before he left after landing awkwardly. Mike Tomlin seems to think that's not a major injury. He could have come back in a regular game. So that's good news. Should be back for week one. Um, it looked scary for a second there when DJ went. Obviously, it looked like Pickens was going to start be taking a, a heavier load and, and he started being targeted a little more. I think he looks ready for that. And uh, Boykin is the guy I want to highlight. I think he's continued in three games, been pretty consistent, looked really solid, soft hands. I like what I've seen from him as kind of a soft, wide receiver. Strong, sorry, soft, strong, strong hands. hands. Yeah, catches yeah. it with his hands, doesn't catch it in his body disease. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. good hands catcher, good possession receiver. Make, make a, made a difficult spinning catch there as well. That's great. Um, Pickens, man, I don't, I don't want to get too hyped about this, and I don't want to like, be accused <laughs> of of comparing him to someone. I think I've said it before. 
I, I I can see a little bit of Julio Jones in him, man. I mean that that you know is a, is a is a big comparison, but just just the physicality, the 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 way he's like gaming receivers, breaking back on the ball, the the, the outside, you know, the to, the toe drags we've seen, all that. It's exciting, man. If he, if he can keep his keep his head down and just work oh, hard. Pray and... God he keeps his head. <laughs> That's my only concern. Did you see him just destroy one of the cornerbacks and yeah. it was at a run play? Yeah. He, he just again. Second time in three weeks we've got that highlight yeah. play of him just demolishing a guy. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd like to have seen him. He's been up to this point, been an absolute dominator, and I've got a, like a um a drop in my mind ready for him. If if he continues on that in that path, uh, there's something I, I you know there's something there's a nickname that I've got forming for him. But I did want to see him kind of be a bit more physical with that pass breakup on a, that Akuda had. He could he could yes. have had that, you know. Uh, that, yeah. that was something. Hopefully, you'll learn from that because he could Is have physical. Is that the one where he kind of had his arm wrapped around and bring it forward quick enough? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Uh, Akuda kind of got his hat in. It was a just nice play. Yeah. Zone, yeah. yeah, it was it was to prevent the TD. You so, know? Yeah, into the end zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that one. Uh, it was on. Um, yeah, I think it was that second quarter. But um, hopefully, yeah. you'll learn from that and move on. Yeah. Well, good to see, good to see Pickens. I mean, that was a that was an inside, an inside pulse from the slant, wasn't it? I don't think he was out wide yeah. in that. So at least they're mixing them up in terms of where he's running from. Yeah. yeah. You know, if we're going to talk about keeping defensive 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 units on their toes, we've got to have show some variety like that. Kets, you just sitting there in your armchair smoking cigars and drinking whiskey, thinking, why did no one else see this? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I was so high on the guy coming out, and still am, and just everything I'm seeing is good. I'm just, I'm just keeping quiet for now because I'm just like fearing <laughs> the with tea. Yeah, just yeah. sit back and relax, hopefully, and uh, watch him dominate for years to come. And then, uh, you know, it might be the odd little "I told you so" lads comment, but we'll Ooh. get to that in due course. I'm trying to circumvent that. I'm, I'm picturing, <laughs> I'm picturing Kets sitting there like Miley Cyrus in the. Um... The wrecking ball song, but the wrecking ball is me with the George Karloftis defensive rookie of the year take. When that comes true, <laughs> I'm just going to come straight through his wall and just take all of the plaudits. I like Karloftis; he's a good player. He's uh, <laughs> one to keep an eye on. Yeah, thank you. That was playing out in my head in real time. Nice. Um, <laughs> I also, for a hot minute there, I thought Sims might be making the roster when I saw DJ go down. <laughs> they turned to Sims Should and. Do you know what? In terms of the train to Birmingham, uh, the train to London, <laughs> I said last week he's in Birmingham. I think he's like North Watford now. You can see Ooh, the capital. I don't close. know if he's. He's like, just how how far down the roster is he? And there's just so many guys ahead of him. And I think if Gunner wasn't there, he mm. would look like a wide receiver four, right? He looks like a yeah. guy that can run a few routes, can do a few things, a few trick plays, and he can do some return duties for you. But I think. Having Gunner kind of throws a massive grenade in the works, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, who's he got to beat to get on the roster, realistically? Gunner, Boykin. Boykin, yeah. I mean, it depends what happens with Austin. Because that injury is probably the worst time in it could have been. Is he yeah. going to end up practice squad or even just I don't, completely? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you could keep Austin on the 53 at this point. No. Well, let's wait and see. There's no tape on him. I think there's there'll zero be zero tape on him. Well, there's plenty of tape on him. It's just not in the preseason. No, not not in NFL, three not games. preseason, not professional well, tape. I mean, sometimes yeah. guys get injured at an inconvenient time, but I don't think they're necessarily going to cut him. I don't know. We'll see. But are you going to are you going to keep him? I mean, apart from the fear of losing, are you going to keep him over over Gunner or Sims or Boykin? Um, I would keep him over Sims, and yeah. that would be fine. 
So we're going to cut Sims and let him try and revert back to the revert practice. Revert back to the practice squad, yeah, if yeah. possible. Okay, all right. Um, See what they do. Which I think is good. And I think we saw kind of how the the offense kind of opened up a little bit when it was a little bit... I think you especially noticed it in this game, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I kind of noticed it varying a little bit more, maybe a little bit unscientific, but just the way we were kind of bouncing between different formations, different different ideas. There was more, The screen game was a little bit more successful. We saw the nice jet sweep, I think, with Sims. Um, which is becoming part of more part of a staple of this this offense, obviously, and I think that's kind of a prelude to what we're going to see out of Calvin Austin. We're going to see him kind of running some more of this, you know, outside the ordinary stuff. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's just going to step into that Sims role when when he's back. Someone needs to like run over his foot on a little golf buggy or something, get him on the <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that way, that way they can sneak uh, him through. Yeah. Um, okay. Tight end. What do you think about Gunner? Gunner, Gunner. Oh, Gunner, yeah, Gunner. Got to talk Gunner. about Gunner because it's you know he had came back had the fumble last week and mm-hmm. it looked like he was going to make a similar kind of play, didn't it? Like a, a same jet sweep suddenly goes wrong. He's facing two or three players and he just like took just ate the ate the contact. But the speed on the sweep is is impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be a big Gunner play this year, isn't there? You you just you can it's see it happening. Be a Gunner game, yeah. Mm. Exciting. All right, tight end. Sorry, you wanted to move on to tight end. So uh, yeah, shoehorn my gunner point. Not, not a great. No, sorry, I forgot about gunner. Um, I know that you mentioned to Lewis. Uh, oh, oh no, oh no, I've spoiled the ah no the timing. This is before that. Never mind, ignore that. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> what what are you talking move, about? Move 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 on. <clears throat> Pat Frymouth. Pat Frymouth. Uh, yeah, building up a uh, little connection with Kenny Pickett. I think across the middle. Uh, another key. Pick up, go, re, uh, heading towards the red zone there in the third quarter. It looks nice. Sternberger had one chance, dropped it. I think he's a goner. He's already a goner, right? He's already right? gone. Yeah, got caught today. Uh, Connor Haywood only got one target, if I remember rightly. Didn't haul it in. Not seen a lot of him the last two preseason games. No, he got one on a crosser, didn't he? Did he? I, I he think so. Unless I got that wrong. I think I he got he one. Yeah. Yeah. But still, minimal usage. I mean, how many of these minimal usage guys are we going to have? Mm. Connor Hayward, Derek Watt. I hope they're going to come up with interesting ways to use Connor Hayward, though. I, I don't know. I was a bit more enthused after the first game, obviously, than the last two. Well, so with Kets anointing him tight end too. Do we? Do we? Uh, we come down to earth on that, Kets? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how much he can do in pass pro. Because just the more I think about this line, the more I start to worry about pass pro in different situations and. I don't know. I want to see how we can do in that side of things as well. As I think, as a receiver, he's fine. I think he gets in space. He makes good routes. Um, I think he's a good, he's a good player there. It's just a case of how best to use him because he's a bit that sort of got a lot of gadget guys this year. Seems to have loads. Yeah, tons of people that can do different things. Have we seen a single Derek Watt snap? Was he? I know they <laughs> opened up in I formation, didn't they? Was he the fullback in that? I couldn't. I didn't have time. Sorry, I've not gone back to watch it a second time. So I was, that's the kind of thing I'd like to know. Does anyone know? I don't have the same. No, 100%. Did Derek Watt get a single kin snap in the preseason? Did he? He must have done. I haven't seen him. <laughs> I'll double check. I've seen him on the sideline, dressed. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, just still the mystery man. I mean, is it just like we need a, we need a fullback and we might as well keep we, him? We just got to have the brothers of all the star players just to keep them. You know, in line. What Brosberg? Are we really going to Brosberg our way through and yeah. not cut not cut either of the Davis brothers? Come on, 
<laughs> well, no, we can cut the Davis brothers because neither of those is a star player. So right, we can get okay, rid of yeah. both of them, but we got we oh, got to okay. keep Derek to keep TJ happy, and we got to keep Connor to keep Cam happy. This is what they've done. They've just got into this awkward situation. Mm. Edmonds fell out of the superstar club because we lost his brother. Right. Anyway, on to the defense. Uh, uh, to Taylor, two sides for the D line. Uh, I thought they did a nice job getting the hands up, deflecting passes. We saw Cam, uh, Leal, uh, Carlos Davis, Tusker, all deflecting passes. Steele's been good at that in recent years, so I like to see that. But uh, at the same time, and this is you know the full the full front seven, not just the D line, but uh, we got to stop giving up third and long on the ground. Yeah, oh man! Killer. Oh. Let me ask you this: every single one of these big big plays against the Steelers, particularly the run plays, there's a narrative that I can construct that it's all Devin Bush's fault. Am I being unfair in that or not? <laughs> you watch it you're like Probably. why has he not shed that block and got in that massive yeah. that massive play where the guy was just running free third and 17 yeah, yeah that Parkinson was on him. seemed to be Bush's fault and every other big play you can you can make it seem that it's Bush's fault but I don't know if it's me buying into the narrative that Bush is done I think play, players win and lose on every stat right so you know, it's tough. And I always struggle with this, right? Attributing blame on these these long third downs to one specific player, unless it's really obvious. But I think what 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 is undisputably true is that Devin Bush does not win enough of these matchups uh, to make it quite noticeable. So that so when these big plays happen, you're always watching Devin Bush lose. He's he's never making a play. I think he made one play this week, right, where he got in behind the line of scrimmage and grabbed a guy by the ankles. Yeah, ankle. great play. But even that play. Miles Jack took the brunt force of that. I think if Miles Jack wasn't there, he breaks out of that that kind of leg grab that he had him in. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, that was the the fourth down, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah fourth and one. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. fair play, he got there and he and he impacted the the player. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think I don't know that it can all be put on Devin Bush. I think we've got to take a long hard look at this this D line and the people we have beside Cam Hayward because there's something not quite right about the run defense. Here. No, I'm sorry. That long run play was definitely on Bush. He yeah. just didn't shed. Like there was yeah. a massive gap. It it's was not the only over... play, though. No, no. But that you're talking about that long, long one. It was Bush. There was a big gap there. It was. It was clearly the Steelers in there, kind of over front. There was, you know, it was his duty to get off and plug that gap. He didn't do it. What, what, what are we going to say though? To the, I mean, we're what third and seventeen. Bush is what eight to ten yards from the line of scrimmage, for example. All right, he gets blocked out with the game. There's still nearly ten yards to go. Where, where's the DB on that? I, I I agree with you. Bush has some uh, explaining to do, as it were, but there, there's got to be someone else as well. You can't. You, yes, if a guy's blocked out with a play, that's fair enough. But the man still had ten yards to go. True, but where was the backup? The back made a hell of a good play. He made a couple of nice cuts there, and, and he kind of cut people off. There were people coming downhill, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. For, for me, it was Bush. Well, I, I got no problem with blaming Bush for everything that goes wrong in the run defense. That's fine by me. Um, that suits our narrative. Uh, I thought, <laughs> thought, thought Ogunjobi was doing a nice job getting involved early in the run game. To be fair, gave up an offside in this one, but uh, I mean, it's, yeah, God. it's kind of weird. I, we're, we're, I still don't think he's a perfect fit for like that mm. D end position. I feel like he's. I want to see him like we we talked about when he was signed. We thought he was a, a tackle that would could could play in sub package. He's getting out there on a th- yeah. three man front, yeah. and I'm not sure he's. I'd almost rather see Mondo out there in that three man front, and then we transition to to Larry O in sub package. 
it's tough. I, I hear you. I, I, the trouble is, I don't know. You want to be giving up time of Larry Ogunjobi to Henry Mondo, and I pref- I prefer yeah. having Ogunjobi over. Uh, uh, who am I trying to say? Uh, uh, defensive end. Wormley. Uh, Wormley. Thank you. I prefer having him out there than Wormley. Uh, and I don't know that I want to see time to Mondo to get him out there, and maybe that does leave us a little bit open because we don't have that solid two gapper like you were saying last week. But I think I trust Wormley a little bit more in in, ah. a, in a in a three man front where you only need a D end. Hmm. I like. Please don't get me wrong. I like Lario. I think he's great at what he does. I just I think it's a scheme fit thing. He's not quite the right fit for for that D end spot in the three man front. He's not doing it. I don't know. Maybe it will grow. Maybe it's a coaching thing. Maybe it will happen. You know, this is what you do in the preseason. You work out your warts. I think that's a wart, though. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe not. Maybe not the perfect circle fit into the circle hole, but mm. you can wedge a square into a circle hole sometimes. If, it, so. if it's better than the circle you had to begin with, this is a strange metaphor. Um, but it's like layout. <laughs> it's the same thing, and I wonder if it points to a, a, a changing up of the. The scheme on the front because Liao and and Ogunjobi aren't traditionally what the Steelers have done at, at the end. Yeah, you know. Maybe the transition a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe maybe just we need to see for the future rather than for yeah. right now. Yeah. Mm. A few decent refs out of Liao actually. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's yeah. Every week I'm sort of seeing a little bit more, a little more. Mm. Yeah. Credit to him. He's had a he's had a steady but you know be, maybe yeah. better than we'd have anticipated preseason. Yeah, yeah. yeah nothing, nothing sexy. You know, we're not talking multiple, you know, sacks here or anything like that. But just, just pressure in the right areas. I was going to say, I do wonder if it's a, a reaction to the league going a little bit more zone blocking, and and both those guys are kind of better at that than than what what like uh, you know Brett Kiesel or those guys that we we kind of mm. traditionally think of were. Um, so yeah, so maybe it is that. I mean, Leao does look like he's you know he's penetrating, getting pressure. He's, Bringing yeah. some dy- dynamicism, athleticism to the front, which is exciting. Dynamicism, love that. Big word. Managed to get that one out. Uh, TJ dominated early again. Although, you know, once he got that sack, I'd have taken him straight out of that game. <laughs> right, yeah, why was he playing yeah. so long? What do we need to think? That is bizarre to me. I mean, maybe Naji, you know, it came out that he had a Liz Frank injury early in uh, camp that's a four to six week thing. You maybe want to just knock some of that rust off him. I kind of get that, but... TJ, I mean, keep this guy in bubble wrap as much as possible. I mean, is it is it does Tomlin like did he lose a game of poker to Dan Campbell and he was like, all right, yeah, I'll keep my stars <laughs> out so you can test your two dumb quarterback twos. Like, is that is that the deal here? Like, they wanted is there like an underhand agreement? I mean, what what other reason could you possibly need to have TJ out there for? I, I truly can't make sense of it. TJ especially oh. is egregious to me. I'd... Yeah. Because what are you getting out of what? What do we need to see out of TJ in the preseason? You know, it's bizarre. Uh, okay, we spoke about linebackers. Any 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 other edge guys that's jun- jumping out to you? Who do we think? Because obviously we cut uh, Janad Avery last week. Who, how do we see this falling now? Well, they cut Carter the as well, and I thought I thought Carter looked slow, mm-hmm. and you know I I didn't have him on the cuts down, but. I, I, Easier with hindsight, and now we know he's cut. But I must, I must say, when I when I saw him lumbering around the edge, I thought actually I was wrong. He needs to go. He, you know, he might be good against the run, but but Tusker offers more. I, I like I like what Sidecar and Scott are doing. I'm I'm yeah. excited. I think Sidecar's nailed down at least fourth, uh, fourth edge rusher. Possibly should be third, and I think Scott's got to be on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. But he hurdled the QB. 
I mean that you know that was that was something. <laughs> we don't see that every day, <laughs> and uh, and just you know movement in space and the length. I think rare 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 traits that you know might not lead to anything, but you've got to give them a shot. Yeah, I think uh, Hamilcar Rashid and uh, Scott are both guys that maybe need to watch out for other guys being cut on on cut down day. We'll we'll see how it plays out tomorrow, but. I think they. I think especially Hamilcar has maybe secured up a spot on the fifty-three if if things stay as they are and we don't bring someone in. Mike, you were, do you think do you think anyone's better than Sidecar? For the no, no, I'd, I'd be comfortable with Sidecar. <laughs> Sidecar, nice. we, got, we got to check in on him and see if he likes his nickname. <laughs> it makes so much sense, <laughs> like where the position he plays. <laughs> uh, just before we move on to the uh, move on from this group. Uh, we had a Jeta sighting. Do you think there's any chance that Jeta makes the practice squad? No, I think uh... At least we've seen him, right? We've seen him. You could, anyway, you couldn't miss him. No, you couldn't. <laughs> That's a big old boy. That is a tick with two C's. I mean, he's definitely, <laughs> definitely got a career in running the door at a local nightclub. If oh, if, it, if it yeah. all goes wrong. Calf. Is that too much? Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you said if. You said if. If, if. Uh, I tell you, a man who doesn't not have any business uh, manning a door at a nightclub, although he'd probably be quite good at it. Matt Robinson. Oh, Matt Robinson, man, the player of the game. No, player of the second half, surely. Join the religion, boys. I yeah. Just, just one, just one knock on Robinson. Don't you dare. I'm, I'm all in, <laughs> lads. I'm aboard. I have my passport. I've got my sea legs. I'm all aboard, but. The the long third, uh, what was it, third and 10, third and 12 play, where we had a decent pass rush coming in. The running back sort of, you know, got through the mess that got himself free. I sort of have the feeling Robinson may have been trying to, may have meant to be playing a container role because as soon as as soon as soon he started sprinting to the quarterback, uh, as sort of a, it looked like a late blitzer. He wasn't, I don't think he was intentionally trying to be a late blitzer, but, you know, he saw he saw a gap and went for it. The pass was just tipped over, or dumped over his head to the running back first down. But, look, he's a six-round rookie. Patience. You know, let, let's, I'm not going to grill him over it. Just, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just something. That's not going to outweigh all the positives we've seen out of his play in the, in the, in the three weeks. I am, um, yeah, I'm, I'm gasped for him to see some playing time this year. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, spotless. He got beat in coverage in the fourth quarter yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, compare him to Buddy Johnson. I mean, who who looks like like light years ahead of the other? Yeah, totally agree. I, I think Buddy Johnson might be the beneficiary of a, some injuries in this group earlier in training camp, and I think he might end up sticking around at the back end of the roster just because of that and lack of depth. But he is very much on the bubble, I think. Oh, definitely. I'm, I mean, I'm concerned about Buddy Johnson. Yeah, me too. Got... I didn't like what I saw in this game. The, I mean, that one where I just there was a, a play where he just straight up pick the wrong gap I mean the, just lack of I don't know what it was reactions football intelligent but he he was anticipating a cutback and you can't tell me that it was scheme because the dude the guy the whole offense is flowing one way and there's a clear gap that the off that the 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 handoff is setting up the running back to run to and buddy Johnson just it looks like he runs and then he just Chose, chose the wrong gap, like straight up, just went into the wrong place, um, and the running back just got big, you know. Like it was, I think it went for a first down. It was just, I can't, I can't believe it, it was scheme. I just think it was on 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 BJ, and it just made me think: uh, does this team have a problem 
evaluating tackles and linebackers because this guy can't play. Is that harsh? No, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I mean, what was Buddy Johnson a fourth round pick, fifth, fourth, fifth round pick? I can't remember. Uh, fifth out of Texas A&M. Fifth round pick, mm. yeah. And you know, we saw nothing in his rookie year, and he looks very slow to read the field this year. Mm. Um, very slow, and looks like yeah. very much tucking in behind the guys we already have in the Spillane mode, and and maybe even in the Matt Robinson mold, and we'll see. In terms of these guys that are maybe better run blockers, uh, run stoppers than than pass coverage linebackers, which is seemingly let, not Dan, we let Danny Smith draft the linebackers. Yeah. Let him pick pick out the special teams guys and put them out there because he seems to have better success at this than anyone else. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's one to watch out for in terms of maybe an inside linebacker gets cut around the league that the Steelers like the look of, and I think Buddy Johnson's on that bubble. Uh, secondary, I've been kind of the story of the preseason for me here. If you look outside the offense, in terms of just feeling more comfortable with what this secondary has been doing, um, still wanting to give the occasional big play, but yeah, who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> I like what, I like what I've seen out of the, the starters, especially Witherspoon, yeah, Levi Wallace, both look quality in this. Uh, Levi Wallace especially impressed me with some quick reactions, solid tackling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, both both uh, both Witherspoon and Wallace contributing in run defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Witherspoon picks up the easy interception, but credit returns it 45 yards. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with these two, and Cam Sutton, who's also impressed me in preseason, uh, starting. I think this is going to be slightly better than I anticipated it would be. Definitely. How uh, were you shifting in your seat when Pierre made one of the dumbest PI tackles I've ever well, seen? But was it, though? Oh. Because, uh, well... I mean, I was trying to work yes, it out. Yes, it was. Because... It was. Well, <laughs> it was horrific. Yeah, but he was going to go for a touchdown if he didn't do it. And it was, that was a... C- that's what CD was saying on comms, wasn't he? It was a free play. I was trying to work this out because I watched it and I was like, "Why has he done that?" And then I thought, "Well, it looked like the ball was landing right in the receiver's hands." And he was beat. And he was beat. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not a good play. Like he was beat by the receiver. But is it not better just to wipe that guy out there and then than let him go for for a touchdown yeah, on a free I'm, play? I'm with you, sorry. I'm with you. But the ball was sailing. The ball, the guy, he, he clips no, the wasn't. feet. It was. It was. You watch it in slow mo. He clips the feet. The receiver hits the deck, and then the ball sails into the sideline. Like you can see it. It no, doesn't the enter the frame. The ball was landing perfectly in his arms, like a like a cradled baby. Not from the view. Like no, Nelson Aguilar like catching that. a baby it, out of a window. It was almost uncatchable. I thought, but maybe, <laughs> maybe that's where we will disagree. Let's I go back and check that. Let's go back yeah, and yeah. check that. Um, I tell you who did impress me, Platel. Thought he had his yeah, moment in the back half of this things. game. Yeah, he did good. a few things, yeah. On the final drive, quit to the ball, quality pass break up in the end zone. Yeah, tipped the ball, yeah. Yeah. Even Justin Lane was making some big hits in this game. He was laying the wood a little bit. I tweeted that out as it was happening. It's never been about the physical with him, though. No, no, no. It's been about in, in between the years. Uh, who <laughs> else got involved? Minka, uh, Minka did the full nine yards in this game. He got a sack, tackle for loss, PBU, and mm-hmm. a forced mm-hmm. fumble. He looks mm-hmm. primed, strong athletic, deep pass break up as well at the end, towards the end of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, Plato had uh, surgery today, unfortunately. Oh, he didn't, did he? Yeah. Oh, what happened to him? Leg. Don't know. Don't know exactly. Damn, didn't know. But about um, yeah, he's going to be he's going to be in trouble. Yeah. I doubt we'll I doubt we'll see much of him. That's a shame. Um, I, t- I tell you who I did see a, a, a bit out of. Uh, newbie Elijah Riley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw, nice. him, saw him flying around a little bit. I'm interested. And may have it's... inadvertently got a job just by. By the guy in front of him getting injured. Yeah, it's funny because 
Charles Davis or was it uh, was it Charles Davis or whoever the commentators were announced yeah. saying mm-hmm. calling him um, Donovan Stein. Donovan Steiner, because I, I, every time I th- see that 37, I think Jordan Dangerfield. <laughs> so in my yeah, head, it's you're like two guys Dangerfield. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's Donovan Steiner. Oh, no, it's Elijah Riley. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm. some big plays against the threes. Let's see if he can, can yeah. push on from there. But, and, yeah, I mean, start. We're, we're not hearing anything on Kazee's injury, but it doesn't look great, does it? Well, it's looking like he's out for the season, I think. He, yeah, because yeah. so we've yeah. two DBs down. Yeah, so there goes my uh, I know, biggest I'm... impact free agent signing of the season <laughs> down the toilet. That, that's all I was thinking today was Gav said that he was going to be the biggest impact free agent. It was a big impact, just not on the season. It was on his wrist. On his wrist. <laughs> Medical bills. Oh, God. Yeah, that was he a shame, been, man. He was I think showing he played up. really well. Yeah, he was showing up, Casey. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah, shame. Yeah, I'm totally for him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought Riley was... Di- I mean, he was diving around, made a few... Sort of late plays, uh, red zone pass breakup that jumped off the screen. So yeah, yeah. hopefully uh, he might make the team just by you know mm. the, the fact that there's nobody and there. That fourth down breakup. How many play? You know, I'd have to double check and just to see whether it was possible. But how many times do you see a DB on a fourth down play go to intercept the ball and then get <laughs> tackled? They go, what have you done? You just cost us twenty five yards. Yeah. But you know, heads up play, just bat it down, move the ball to where it was, and move on. Yeah, appreciate that. I'll I'll always take a positive on that. Uh, that's all I've got for the for the team. I moved to special teams. Anyone else you want to talk about on on defense? Just nice nah. to see Cam Hayward back batting mm-hmm. down passes at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, two he had, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. things never change, boys. He's teaching the yeah. D line. He he knows where it is. Uh, Past defense starts at the uh, at the line. How many seasons do we think we've got left to Cam? Oh, don't talk like that. What is not enough? What is he thirty three? Thirty two? Yeah, I could see two. Yeah, I hope so. I hope more. Really, I'd, yeah, I'd well, like to see him go on for like a, a little bit. Yeah, it feels like he needs a Super Bowl, doesn't it? I, I do like the way he's progressed into this kind of elder statesman role. The team is obviously very fond of him, sort of being the face of the team in 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 the media and yeah. like the you know what I mean. Uh, you can kind of see how that's been pushed, and I like it. He fits the role. I like I like where um, him and and Connor Hayward were sat on the bench and then and then mm. TJ just like dives in the middle like yeah we're bros I can sit here <laughs> no worries uh, special Kat oh. can I just quickly ask uh, your your Twitter antics do you consider yourself a bro of the Haywards or <laughs> I've got nothing but good things to say with the Haywards you have been in personal contact with the mother I believe right is that I was trying to get one of them on the podcast all oh, right okay. <laughs> I'll blame a guy for trying. And you decided to go about that like Zach Wilson and not like a regular press request. <laughs> yeah. Go through the mum. <laughs> I sent a message to the mum. I didn't like slide <laughs> literally into the mum. There's a difference. Oh, oh God. Let's hope you don't listen to and that. Like, our chances of getting him on are yeah. diminishing yeah. Oh, with every no. word. <laughs> uh, special teams. Uh, I've, I've, jo- I've jotted down uh, Tusker and Mark Robinson as having particularly nice looking special teams hits. Yeah, mm-hmm. shout out to them. Tusker's, yeah, it was good. Uh, Boz hits three field goals, um, has one field goal blocks. Anyone know who, who was to blame there? Didn't really see. Kendra Green. Was it really? Yeah, Kendra Green. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh, a, a bad day gets worse. Um, Twitter I, mentions firing up. Yeah, I, I have seen some. I can't remember where I read this. It might have been Steelers Depot today. People have been mentioning that Boz has a right-hand drive, a drift on his kicks. Anyone notice this? 
This is deep level kicker stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he's he's still kicking over eighty. Let's not let's yeah, not worry. I'm just saying to say uh, that was noted on on Steelers Depot. I think it was today that he had a rightward drift, and that was what caused him to miss that field goal last week, and why a couple have been quite close to the the post. Keep an eye on it. Well, last week was wind. I think it was wind was, in the stadium. <laughs> this is like the classic mistake that golf players make, isn't it, Mike? Like you start hitting them, you start thinking, "Oh, I'll aim like five feet to the left to try and compensate for my own troubles," and then you just get Get Sounds more and more right. into your own problems. No, you're a go- you're a big golf right. guy. Sounds about right. Ah, look, let's not let's not worry too much about balls. Yeah. I think we're I think we're overthinking it. Let's not say oh it needs to be bang in the middle. No, it doesn't. It's got to be inside one side of the post and the other. Let's not care about what's how far left or right it is. As long as it's <laughs> it. fair play, fair enough. Just 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 point it out. Something to keep an eye on. You know. Uh, and then the last thing I wrote was special teams coverage looks shaky in the first half. I think most of it was salvaged by penalties, to be honest. But um, I don't know. I thought we were giving up some decent returns, which is rare. I thought our coverage teams were pretty good in preseason. But mm. yeah, there was a couple early on, weren't there? Yeah. Punt return and kick return. Uh, we're definitely going to see Mr. Pimpleton in the next episode of Hard Knocks getting cut after uh, <laughs> that, that drop pass in the end zone. As I saw yeah, it happen, was I was sad. like, that's going to be Hard Knocks material. Yeah, right? so sad for Pimpleton because he'd obviously dropped a few in the last game, didn't yeah. he, on Hard Knocks? Yeah. And I think he has been cut as well, I saw today. So Very strange emotions going on where you're actually rooting for these some of these back end guys. Yeah. Didn't see didn't see Rodrigo, whatever he's called. Rodriguez, did oh, you? No, did no, I, did, no. I, didn't Rodriguez. I didn't notice him in the game. I was expecting to see some some rub there from him. Maybe bench because he's a starter now. That's my Maybe. Hope. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, we already spoke about the Kazee injury. That was the only thing I really had in news. TJ ranked sixth in the top one hundred. Mm. Head of Mars Garrett. Disrespect. Quite Riley. <laughs> Who was uh, what, what was the top five? Oh, I can bring it Brady up. Brady was minute. warned. Brady was warned. That's the only yeah. one. That's the only one I clocked. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Donald's got to be up there, surely. Yeah, Aaron Donald was, I think, second or third. Mm. Just in terms of disrespect, in terms of that top one hundred, Josh Allen was thirteenth. Here you go. So, Josh Allen was third. Yeah, that is, yeah, crazy. I mean, I mean, Justin Herbert was fortieth. So, I mean, I mean, this whole top one hundred thing, the way it's voted for, is absolutely bizarre. Anyway, but so TJ Watt sixth, uh, Jonathan Taylor was fifth. I mean, okay, uh, Cooper Cup fourth. Right, we can have that conversation. Aaron Rodgers third. Aaron Aaron Donald second. Tom Brady first. I don't think you can argue much about the top three, really. I mean, maybe you can no. argue Tom Brady doesn't need to be one today, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor's the one to me where I was like, come on, let, let's let's uh, let's put some respect on TJ's name. Let's get him in the top five. Anyway. Yeah, it feels like Jonathan Taylor's all potential and upside, not not what have you actually done. Well, I mean, he had a great season, right? The, yeah, but, pretty awesome. Uh, I think, if anything, it's just he's it's putting the hat before the, the cat before the horse a little bit. Oh, uh, the heart before the course. Heart before the course. You can't be <laughs> oh, like, yes, that's another coin toss. <laughs> coin toss. Heart before the course. Oh dear. Um, anyway, yeah. I mean, the, the less said about that top one hundred, the better, because the fact that it's voted for by ran, seemingly random players deciding who their top twenty players in the NFL are, and then collating all that is bizarre. I mean, look at the, the uh, top one hundred, right? Who's one hundred to ninety one? So all of these players were voted by some players as the top 20 players in the NFL. Does that make sense? 
So some players... Oh, is that how it's done? Yeah, yeah. So so basically every player, and you know, obviously they don't have to do it, so just the ones that reply, vote for their top 20 players in the NFL. And that's how it's collated. Um, but, I mean, these are the players that will have received votes because they, cause Deontay Johnson, for example, was 110th, right, apparently. So he will have received some votes, but Carl Juszczyk, 100th. Kirk Cousins, 99th. Uh, David Montgomery, 98. Someone said David Montgomery was the t- one in the top 20 players in the NFL. Okay. You know, somebody, uh, just... <laughs> you you, you comment on, you comment on week, boys. <clears throat> What's that? Yes. I was going to say, this reminds me of our quiz the other week, was people voting for spurious random things. And it makes it the top well, family stuff, fortunes list. It's stuff like Matt, right, Matt Jones is 85, right? You can say what you want about Matt Jones, but, but who said that he was in the top 20 players in the NFL? Bill Belichick. That just Kyle, makes Kyle no sense. Pitts was 91st. <laughs> really? And then I appreciate the comment on saying why was Monty 98. Are we going to skirt over the fact that why was a bleeding fullback at 100? <laughs> Would you stop? Would you stop? <laughs> We need to stop asking for NFL players' opinions on other NFL players' performances because it's clear that none of them actually watch football. Yeah, it's just a popularity contest, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, right, let's stop talking about that because <clears throat> knows it's uh, it's ridiculous. Right, well, we're going to hand over to our, our fantasy extravaganza. Anything else you want to talk about before we do that? Uh, no, just your Spoonerisms are getting more and more better. Do you, do you know the history of Reverend Spooner? Spoonerisms? What's a Spoonerism? It's a spoonerism is uh, a a toy cost or oh, a, right, yeah yeah well like that, a, that's my you know adult mind slowly withering away into dust. No, uh, it's quite funny. Like uh, it's based on Reverend Spooner, who was a favorite famous Reverend that did this all the time and said things like "well boiled icicle" instead of a "well oiled bicycle." And <laughs> oh, there's there's absolutely loads of them fighting a liar mm. in the quadrangle hissed my mystery lecture like you've tasted two worms like all, all these things like honestly there's loads of them they're funny and um it's always amused me and, and you're just giving me more and more what did you say the heart of what? <laughs> heart before the course like the yes, cat before the horse what <laughs> <laughs> one, one of his famous ones is our lord is a shoving leopard uh, just me. <laughs> uh, wait sometimes i can't even tell what these are meant to be our lord is a lo- loving, loving shepherd, shepherd. Our Lord is a Should have kept these guys for a, uh, a game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, let's, let's move on to Lewis because yeah. uh, let's not waste any more time. Okay, mm. on to the fantasy spectacular. Hello, welcome back to the UK Steelers podcast. We're joined now by a special guest who was kind enough to join us last year to talk all things fantasy football. It's Lewis Wood. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well, thank you. Thanks so much for it's you know, it's a good sign that I've been invited back on a year later. Yeah, that's always a good uh, sign, yeah. You're not one of these hit and quit it guests that around the <laughs> keep talking about it. Yeah, or maybe I didn't um you know, it didn't actually make the cut in the end and you thought well, <laughs> we won't we won't do that again next year. Um but no it is it's really, really nice to be back. Last year I ordered a Chinese an hour beforehand and it showed up five minutes before we started, so I ate a cold Chinese afterwards and uh, I'm delighted to tell you that I ate my dinner before this time. <laughs> Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was literally talking about this. I think to was it just you, you and Kets, Mike? Um, I was talking about this the other two, the yeah. last week, um, and I wasn't sure if you'd remember that, but I, I was recalling the tale because those guys weren't on the show then. I don't think. Um, yeah. About how you, I felt really bad because you, you were Chinese and was delivered, and I felt like we were keeping you from it. But you, you were very gracious and more than happy to talk fantasy for like 
God knows how long until until we let you eat. So yeah, I think we did. I think we did about ninety minutes last year. Yeah. But like, it's you know, if you can, when you get me talking about fantasy, I will forget about the Chinese in front of me. So, <laughs> well, well so, um, I was just going to oh. say, just very quickly, Gav, before before we jump in, Lewis, you want you want to just quickly talk about what you're doing now? Has anything changed since we spoke last year? You're the um, you're, well, you're listed on. I uh, see. I like this. You're listed on uh, Twitter in your bio as the Dynasty Content Lead at King Fantasy Sports. Talk to me. I, I am indeed, which is a nice little upgrade from what I was doing previously. Um, it basically just means that I'm leading on the Dynasty content, but also that I do a little bit of work to um, try and find new writers as well. Um, I've had quite a busy summer, so I haven't been as involved as I would have liked to have been. We've got a lot of stuff coming up relatively soon. Um, and obviously, um, as you guys are fully aware, in seasons the best time for, for content. Um, I'm trying to podcast a lot more, actually, and, and there's, there's talks in the work at King about... Um, about a podcast coming up soon so you know keep an eye on twitter if it's something you're interested in but yeah no it's a really great group of guys to work with and and really excited to get some some more dynasty content coming out as the season carries on awesome yeah definitely and let let me know when that uh, podcast drops i want to check it out i want to listen to some more fantasy stuff so that sounds good um i will do gav you were about to i I will let you do so sorry i was but now i've got two things to say and i don't know which way to go (laughs) i'll start with the thing i was going to say uh Congratulations, we talked before the show about the Rams. You're a Rams fan, winning the Super Bowl. However, how did your actual fantasy leagues go? Did you did you get do the double or the treble and win like quite a few leagues as well as the Super Bowl? <laughs> um the Super the Rams were much more successful than my fantasy teams this year. Um in Dynasty Leagues, I think across seven leagues, I did really, really well in terms of getting to playoffs. I only had one team that didn't get to the playoffs, which is pretty good. Um I only managed to win one championship though. Um, so I had a lot of second place finishes. Um, I got uh, T Higgins quite a few places. Do you remember the the um, semi final week mm. where T Higgins went off like 198 yards and two touchdowns or something? Mm. Um, I had that in a quite a few places, which was reminiscent of sort of getting Kamara last year when he scored five touchdowns and. You- you know, um, so that was a shame. Uh, but the league that I did win is my longest running league. And it's with a group of my friends uh, who I've had since school. Um, so that was a really, really nice one to finally win. I've been I've been bested in two uh, finals in that league. So it was really nice to finally win it. Um, and actually, uh, I think it's quite an interesting thing to talk about because I won that league with essentially a team of uh, waiver wire pickups. I was... Um, Justin Jackson at running back, um, and uh, whoever else. Were you here flying Braxton Barrios in the last part of the season there? At wide receiver? <laughs> That's what I was riding. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Do you know what? It wasn't far off that sort of name. I had Antonio Brown, who obviously that was before he um ran off on the team. But like, I it was a really interesting look into the way that you know the draft matters so much less than we think it does because. Yeah. Which is not a great thing to say at this time of year when everyone's, you know, mm. excited looking at the the results of their teams. But looking at the team that actually won me the title, it was absolutely nothing like the team that I drafted. And it was the sort of thing that if I showed you that team, you'd go, Christ, did you just pick everyone off off waivers? Did you just not draft at all? <laughs> um, but that's, you know, if you can stay smart throughout the season, that's actually how you can end up winning leagues. Geez, you're triggering me now. I've got another two things to say. I love the chain <laughs> reaction. This, this, is, yeah. this is the sign of a good conversation with Gav. Uh, so I was I've got written here on my notes talk about waiver wire and in-season management versus the importance of the draft which I was going to talk about much later but since you brought it up let's do it now so 
I mean, it, it, it does seem like the whole industry is so geared towards drafting. And then there's not that much. There's a couple of like start sit things and a little bit of lineup advice. But do, do you think that needs to be to change? Because to really, to, I, I think the waiver strategy and especially the way a lot of leagues are moving to a fab budget, yeah. um, which I actually much prefer. But, you know, if you, if you don't know what that is, it's like you get money to spend on, on waivers throughout the season. And once you run, run out, you run out. Um, I think there should be more discussion about winning, you know, tactics, seasonal tactics for how you spend your fab. And one one thing I, I've noticed is when that first, in week one, when that first, you know, non-wavered running back goes off, like last year it was Elijah Mitchell, year before it was uh, James Robinson, right? Yeah. How much how much of your fab budget do you blow on that guy? And how can you be certain that he's the guy is like the main point? Because everyone... Everyone's doing this hero RB strategy at the moment, right? Where you go yeah. after one running back and you kind of you wait for the, the number two because a lot of those guys they're not they're less valuable than the wide receivers you can get in that range. So what do you think? I mean, I know I've thrown about five different questions there at you, but what <laughs> what, what 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 do you think about the, managing your fab if that's what your league runs? So so a, a few things really to touch on. First of all, I completely agree with you that you know uh, we're starting to realise, and the more you play fantasy, the more you realise that the league is not one at the draft and everyone ends up leaving going and my team's amazing but you realize very quickly that it isn't and it's very you know the importance of injuries and the importance of off-field stuff and the effect that you can actually see from things that you couldn't have planned out in advance like you look at last year of course Christian McCaffrey was the right pick at the 101 just because he got injured doesn't mean he was the wrong pick there but you have to pivot very quickly if that's how things end up going you couldn't have predicted that um so, yeah, I think there should be a lot more content about it. I also very much agree with you with the fab budget. I think it really helps kind of equalize the league a little bit and mean that otherwise there's a certain advantage. You talk about the week one breakouts and that's something that does seem to happen quite consistently every year, particularly with running backs. That does offer a little bit of an advantage to the person who does the worst week one, which I know it kind of is is supposed to equal things out. But it's not like, you know the first overall pick goes to the team who get battered week one. It's over the whole season. Um, so it, it, it helps everyone be able to stake a, uh, to stake a claim on a player they're interested in. In terms of then how you should manage the budget, the first thing I'll say is never run out. Um, you want to make sure that right at the end, if you end up like the team I was talking about um, earlier on, you want to make sure that you have the ability to pivot and the ability to bring someone in that you might desperately need. Um, one thing I'll say that I think is really important is with your last pick in the draft or your last positional pick in the draft, I want to take a flyer on someone. If I'm trying to take a, you know, a sleeper, someone that I think is upside, I want to take someone who I'm going to know very quickly whether or not I was right so that I can drop them very quickly so if you with your last pick are taking someone like let's say he's not going to be in this range but let's say a Michael Gallup who is you know injured not going to start the season you're wasting a bench spot for a fair few weeks if you take someone like an Isaiah Pacheco who we're gonna we're kind of not sure maybe he can have a decent workload. Maybe he's, you know, not going to be involved. All these camp stars is always a difficult thing to judge what's actually going to happen. Um, you're going to know week one, the Chiefs are going to come out. Uh, Clyde edwards is going to have 90% of touches and you can go, fine, Pacheco's not involved, ready to drop him. Um, again, earlier on, you want to be going for higher percentages of farm just because everyone goes nuts in that first week. Um, one thing that I think is a nice little strategy is I never go for even numbers. Um, like 
I will never bid 10 on a player. I'll always bid $11 on a player just because I think it's so easy to go for an even number. That's always just going to help you maybe slightly outbid someone just to go to 11 um, just to maybe get a little bit of an edge. But I, I would always advise kind of never run out go early because that's when you're really going to know but also making sure that you have people on your team that you're going to be able to drop quite quickly you're going to know in those later rounds that actually i'm going to see whether or not i was right on this player very early on okay so let's say let's say pacheco goes off week one and uh it gets like 50 percent of the of the snaps or whatever and is you know he's, he's clearly going to be involved and and, and looks like could does so well, looks like they might move to using him more than Ceh uh, or anyone else. And he, for some for some reason, he's not. He's on the waivers. He's available, and it's week one. How much? How much of your fair budget would you put in in a percentage term? Probably six, 61, 62, somewhere around there. So it still gives you a lot of flexibility. Um, you'll be amazed the amount of people who finish a year without using the entirety of their budget, which I think is pointless. Um, so with with something like that, that you go okay. The upside to this is absolutely huge if he can end up being the RB1 on one of the most high, highest powered um, scoring offences in the NFL. The upside to this is an every week starter. Um, or say, say for example, um, it's clear that he's the backup and Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets injured at the beginning of the game. That's kind of the same thing you're saying, OK, there's a clear opportunity here. I want to go in. I'm going to leave myself flexibility. You know, I'm not going to go for ninety-nine dollars, but I'm going to go around the sort of sixty-one, sixty-two mark. That means that if you want to beat me, you're going to have to spend almost the entirety of your budget. Right. Yeah. It's. it's it, 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 with, with, I, I deliberately didn't say an injury because that would. That's a guarantee of. Yeah, he's the yeah. start. It was more like one of those ones where he's kind of it looks like he's in position to be in. You know, a, a difficult one. It's not clear cut because yeah. it's sometimes they're, they're more common, aren't they? Rather than a guy just comes out and takes over the backfield. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But but with you know, rookies are always eased into the offense, slightly less so at the running back position. But with lower draft capital, it was a seventh round pick, so they're always mm. eased into the offense. If he comes out week one and looks like an even timeshare, that probably tells you that the plan is for him to actually be the lead back. Right. Okay. So you're still going in at the sixty-one percent. That's good. Interesting yeah. to know. Um, just going to pivot there because you said something earlier about your your uh, moving to you you've become the dynasty lead. Yeah, right. Is has the whole industry shifted more to dynasty? Because it seems like in the last ten years or so, dynasty is so much more popular. Or is that just my experience? I think it's true. I think um, the industry as a whole is more dynasty focused, especially looking at. Um, we're obviously in an interesting moment as um, UK fans with fantasy sort of still exploding out here and getting, you know, in the US, you'll have people that aren't that into the NFL but still play fantasy because it's just what everyone does and it's a way to socialise. In the UK, it's really started to explode over here. So I think as people get more involved, you get more people transitioning into dynasty formats as they're like, actually, I want to learn about rookies and actually want to keep a team forever. And I want to be able to do stuff over the off season. So I've definitely seen it um, a lot more, especially then in the content space as well. Um, most people are, are looking for um, dynasty content. Uh, it's definitely the case that that's what kind of the writing industry has, has moved towards as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I, I still like to play redraft because it's it's a different game. Yeah, you know, two different games. I think it's good we've got these two different 
kind of versions or, or, or three different that we'll get onto in a minute because we're cooking <laughs> up a crazy league for our, our listeners, our listener league. Right, has anyone else got anything to say? Because I've been hogging Lewis this whole time. <laughs> go, go, go on, uh, I'll, I'll jump in there. Lewis, you made a comment there about kind of blooding in rookies. Generally, what's your approach when it comes to rookies on a, on a draft process? Because it's, uh, it's so... It, it, it's an enigma. It's really difficult to pin, you know, unless it's a, it's a clear, you know, someone's taken a Najee Harris last year, for example, it, you know, Steelers, you go, okay, he's going to be the lead back. He's going to be the guy who's going to be getting, well, wasn't he get 300 touches all year? Yeah. Generally, what do you find approach? And, and does that approach differ from running back wide receiver to tight end? Because to me, a rookie tight end just seems a, a position to avoid unless it's, um, unless it was Kyle Pitts, for example. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. Um, I Definitely in terms of position by position, you have to weight things differently. A rookie running back, um, it's I can't remember the exact statistic, but essentially at least two uh, rookie running backs will finish within the top 24 every season. Um, and if you look at the way things are draft, being drafted recently, if you look at the amount of um, rookie running backs over the last few years who have ended up as RB1s, normally not quite in the way of Najee Harris, where they're obviously brought in at the beginning of the season as the every down starter mm-hmm. um you have you know people like um jonathan taylor who obviously now has exploded but only took over the full workload towards the end of the season the same with deandre swift the year before i can remember miles sanders and josh jacobs being really uh, prolific starters but only again towards the back half of the season they almost always outperform their adp so looking at the moment at Brees Hall is a real favourite of mine. He's going in around the fifth round, sort of the fourth, Mm -hmm. fifth. um, And I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up finishing as a top 12 running back. Um, The other side of things with the wide receivers is really interesting. um, That we are seeing an explosion in the ADP of wide receivers, uh, average draft position of wide receivers. So because of, um, I think, Justin Jefferson two years ago and Jamar Chase this year, uh, last year, sorry, um, Drake London, who's the rookie uh, wide receiver one, the consensus rookie wide receiver one, is actually now being drafted as the highest ADP of any rookie wide receiver ever. Um, not, wow. beca- not, I think, because of his talent, but I think instead because we have seen mm-hmm. that rookie wide receivers can do that and they can be relevant so early on. Um, so we've seen that, you know, you you can be a real league winner. It used to be that a rookie wide receiver wouldn't be going um, until much later because we go, you know, like I'm saying, you need to be um, led into the offense a little bit and you need yeah. to be given a little bit of time. But if you look, he's being drafted. Uh, his ADP is 86, um, which is what the eighth round, seventh round, eighth round, somewhere around there. Um He's going ahead of Devonta Smith, Hunter Renfro, Elijah Moore, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Like, these are all players who you'd think, actually, think someone like Elijah Moore and and, and Brandon Ayuk, they're real kind of sleeper prospects. They've got a lot of hype around them. People really like those players, but Drake London's going above them. Um, And it's just because we've seen that rookie wide receivers can be league winners in a way they didn't really used to be. And we try and follow that trend. I think it's quite a dangerous thing to do because Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, uh, Jamar Chase was obviously one of the, you know, one of the best 
prospects we've seen in a long time. Um, Justin Jefferson, it turns out, was an elite player, but wasn't really rated as such beforehand. Um, but we've seen them explode into the leagues. They're clearly elite talents. Um, and now, as we tend to do in the NFL community and in the fantasy community, we're chasing that. Yeah. We're, we're assuming that that's now what's going to happen forever. Uh, I wasn't particularly high on this wide receiver class. I think there's some interesting names, but not, you know, this year's wide receiver one is probably last year's wide receiver four. Um, so to then be looking at, OK, I'm going to take them in the the sixth or the seventh as like my my wide receiver two. It's normally not the way that it works. Um Again, you can be proven wrong, like with um, a lot of people's opinions on Justin Jefferson. But yeah, position by position, we're seeing people really valuing the rookie wide receiver a lot more in redraft than than they used to. Um, mm. I'm not convinced by it, but I am very convinced by the rookie running back. I, I think my question there, oh, Lewis, is, uh, just very quickly, uh, why are people saying it's Drake London when the answer is that it's George Pickens is going to be the top? <laughs> I was I was just as uh, as Lewis was there. I was going to a, a ranking site that I trust, Ooh. and I'm not going to tell you who it is, for, for uh, that will give away all my information for our own league. <laughs> but uh, it's got there. I've just seen uh, it's got uh, Drake London ranked as wide receiver 16, and it's got George Pickens ranked down at wide receiver 42. So quite a disparity there. The, the fantasy community, I find, and I, and I get why, I do too, loves volume, right? The potential of volume. There's no receivers in Atlanta, so Drake London automatically going to be wide receiver one from the rookies, but I don't well, know. You've got dude. Kyle Pitts there. I mean, Kyle Pitts is wide receiver yeah, one. I don't care if he's a tight end, but that's, you know, he's going to eat up a lot of those targets. Yeah, like, I think Drake London was a really elite talent and not quite elite, but like, was a really exciting prospect. Um, and so I think that makes sense as to why we're looking at him the way that we are um and obviously then just having sort of yeah it's the opportunity isn't it we look at sort of the opportunities to different people um i am looking at my i've gone back to find my um wide receiver rankings um and i did actually have george pickens at the top of my tier two um Ooh. so that's around wide receiver five um so i think yeah, slightly higher than consensus. Um, he is a really fascinating one, and I, again, I was—I assumed we would mostly talk about George Pickens today. That felt that felt a really thing. that felt like it was coming. Yeah, yeah. Where you know, I am expecting really big things out of him, um, and he's a really interesting target um, with where he might be going in a draft. At the same time. I think it's then a case of expectation that, you know, Drake London, we can see there's not really going to be any time for him to develop into the offense because he has to go in straight in as the outside wide receiver one. Um, George Pickens, whilst he is, you know, projected to start outside from day one, um, there's two other really talented wide receivers there. So he has a bit more time to bed in and they've also got a lot more, you know, the Steelers do have a lot more to your offense than the Falcons. That sounds like a compliment and it's kind of not one. It's more saying <laughs> how terrible the Falcons are. Um, <laughs> That's fair. But yeah. It's all, it's always an interesting one seeing it sort of how we weight opportunity. in. Um, I think uh, opportunity, Opportunity is much more important for a running back than it is for a wide receiver because with a running back you know you're only you, not to say you're only going to use one one guy but 
if you're running a play, if you're running a running play and there's a running back on the field, they're the one taking it. Whereas um, for wide receiver, vacated targets aren't as important. Vacated targets tend to go to running back. So like the opportunity is there for a rookie run for a rookie wide receiver, but it's less important to me um, than an opportunity would be for a rookie running back, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. That's that's a good point. Can I? ask you about if you're not downgrading opportunity for wide receivers what about wide receivers in bad offenses like dk metcalf this year is getting massively downgraded isn't he so we have seen um kind of both sides of this that we've seen hall of fame wide receivers have a terrible quarterback and um absolutely disappear for a season um there was a year that larry fitzgerald um was wide receiver 43 i think it was so like We've seen it happen where a really talented quarter, uh, really talented wide receiver um, can just be completely dis- uh, completely useless, um, completely irrelevant just because of um, terrible quarterback play. Um, we've also seen people thrive. Um, and one of the things with DK, I think he's a massive value where he is at the moment. I think especially looking at dynasty and keeper formats that we know he's probably in terms of talent in terms of raw talent alone a top five wide receiver in the nfl just in terms of you know the potential of him as a player the size the speed the athleticism um down the line that means you know he's gonna come good we know he's a really good player this season um he actually was okay with geno smith last year he wasn't you know um, the same sort of level that we'd expect him to be. Um, but actually looking uh, down the stretch, when Geno Smith came in, looking at kind of um, weeks 16 and 17, were actually the the, the weeks that, um, that DK was a little bit more relevant. Not to say Geno Smith is a better thing for DK Metcalf than Russell Wilson, um, but with someone like DK, I think, you know, if you're playing in a dynasty league and you can buy him cheaper than you would, otherwise um he's absolutely someone you should target if you're playing in redraft like bad offenses have to chase the game which means they have to pass um and they also and this is genuinely something i think we forget you still have to run plays you might be bad you might get to run less plays but like you still have to play football and you still have to pass the ball so there are going to be opportunities for dk um i don't i think he loses the upside um but i certainly don't think um, he's going to be irrelevant this year. Yeah, that's right. The key point there you made for me is that if we downgrade running backs on bad teams, surely we've got to upgrade wide receivers on bad teams for just the point you make. Garbage time and trying to, trying to, you know, trying to score. They, they, they're going to be aggressive. Exactly, exactly. And I think one of the things with the Seahawks, they're a really weird team because they're probably going to commit to the run a lot more this year. Um, but even, you know, if if you look at the wide receivers being drafted around the DK range, um, you're looking at some some quite rough offenses as well or some quite rough quarterbacks as well. So like Terry McLaurin's going ahead of DK Metcalf and that's Carson Wentz. DJ Moore with Baker is going ahead. Um I'm, I'm sorry to say Deontay Johnson with Trubisky is going ahead. Like, you, you've got some kind of rough quarterbacks around the same range. Um, so I think people are downgrading DK massively in a way they don't for other players just because of going from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith as starter. Um, but I think 
he actually will be fine. Um, he, again, he's not going to finish wide receiver one, whereas that would have been in his range of outcomes last year um, with a fully healthy uh, Russ. But, you know, wide receiver 10, can I see it? Of course I can. Cool. Kets, Kets you were going to say something earlier and you never got a chance to. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to talk about the, the sort of the situation team scheme and kind of how much it plays into it. But I think we've pretty much covered that with with the other discussions that we've we've had to most. I, I quite like that idea in terms of um, wide receivers are, that are in teams that are likely to be chasing the game. I guess it works the other way around with running backs. If your teams that are normally going to be ahead in the third and fourth quarters, and then you just kind of grind the yards out towards the end of the game, I think that's quite an interesting uh, perspective. So, so. To an extent with that one, um, the, the point I will make is that yards, yardage, is essentially, like running yardage for a running back in fantasy, is essentially useless, um, especially with the prevalence of PPR leagues. You know, pass catches are what you want, touchdowns are what you want. So actually, volume is a really helpful thing, and we've seen it with Derek Henry a ton of times where they're trying to grind out the game late on, they're up by a touchdown, they give it to him, he breaks it for 92 yards, and you win your week. But actually, that that sort of trying to run out the clock, how many points are you really going to get from sort of, okay, you need to get two first downs, and they just give it to you're running back for six plays and they he manages to get you know 22 yards in total 2.2 points gonna win you a week like never know (laughs) i mean like yes but is (laughs) the point being is that the kind of upside you want to chase no no Mm. i could have done with 2.2 against that girl that beat me so never mind let's not talk about that (laughs) Um, don't don't get girls started on this girl (laughs) no uh Let's talk about some tight ends. I'm, I, I find the tight ends this year, I find the tight ends every year kind of fascinating. Um, there's there's a couple of elite ones, but they drop off. And where, where should you draft? Like, if you miss out on one of the, like, who, who do you think are the elite tight ends, first of all? Like, I'm going to say it's Kelsey, it's Pitts, probably. Mark Andrews and Kittle, they're probably the top four with, like, Waller knocking on the door. But, yeah. I mean, how far down should Freymuth go? Where should the Steelers fans draft him if they're going to? And just to position this as well, Gav, would you agree with me, Lewis, that if you miss out on the top tight ends, just don't <laughs> draft one at all in the entire redraft? <laughs> I, I wouldn't go so far as to say don't draft one at all, but I'm not far off your way of thinking that I don't really like chasing middle round tight ends. It very rarely works out um, because it's... it's Basically, if you look after the... Um, after the elite group, you're basically looking at um, the points per game difference between like tight end 18 last year and like tight end six or seven is like one and a half, two points. So once you get out of the range of those elite receiving options who are probably the number one on their team, um, you're really looking at a touchdown dependent position. So if I miss out on one of those top four, um, there's a couple of names that I like, but I'm quite happy to wait right until the end and, and grab someone who's a little bit more of a sleeper. I was going to say someone like Cole Komet, but I think everyone's getting a bit hot on him yeah. at the moment. Yeah, um, what's going on with Cole Komet? i got to say, because, Gav, you know this, I've had Cole Komet sort of riding on my like taxi squads and then benches for a few years in dynasties, and I feel like I've had a lot of shares of Cole Komet that I've let fade over time because I've assumed it's never going to happen. Why are we all of a sudden expecting this Cole Komet resurgence? Uh, opportunity is really the big thing. He's the he's projected to be the two 
the second receiving option on um, on the offense. Granted, it's a bad offense, but as we're saying, gonna have to throw the ball sometimes. Um, and he was pretty good last year. He was pretty good when he when he was on the field. Obviously, they they had Jimmy Graham, who so was playing behind him, but. Mm. I'm, I'm fading Cole Komet. Just let it be known. <laughs> um, well, tight ends, as as you kind of touched on earlier when we were talking about the, um, you know, the rookie tight end position, tight ends take a while to break out. So it would make sense roughly if this is when we were starting to look at um, a Cole Komet's breakout year in his third season. Um, you know, he was he was relatively highly drafted. I think in the in the second or the third. So. It would make sense if this was when he was starting to to then break out and come into his own. Um, for me, so looking at kind of, I'm quite happy taking Kelsey at the probably the back of the first. Um, Mark Andrews around a similar range, kind of early second, mid second. I am actually, I do like Kyle Pitts, the talent, but the cost is always a lot for me. Um, again, it, he's obviously a really, really elite player, and I think he's going to do really well, but it's a bad offense. Um, I don't particularly like Marcus Mariota. I don't really like the um, the scheme and the play caller either. I don't I don't think the uh, head coach, Arthur Smith, is particularly good. I'd rather wait a little bit for George Kettle, um, but that's just me. Uh, and then you've sort of got this weird tier with like Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson that like, there's a few question marks about. I'm really into Dalton Schultz just because I think, um, you know, the Cowboys are going to start with likely a wide receiver two of Jalen Tolbert um, because Michael Gallup's out because they obviously let Amara Cooper go. So I think Dalton Schultz could see a lot of those sort of mid, short to mid-range targets. Um, Do you remember when I traded Dalton Schultz to you for a fourth-round pick, Gav, in Dynasty? <laughs> well, didn't, didn't I trade him to you and you gave me a third? Then I... Then you cut him. I picked him back up and traded him back to you for a fourth or something yes, like that. Yes, that was it. And I still and I still don't have him. And I still don't have him. <laughs> He's back on my roster. <laughs> I'd say so. You definitely move on too fast, didn't you? You <laughs> traded away Jamar Chase like in the preseason. Oh yeah, this is true. This happened last year. Yeah, I drafted Jamar Chase in the rookie. You know what you do when you get all excited early on, and I had a high pick, and I drafted Jamar Chase, and then all the camp reports were that he was dropping every ball that came to him. So I traded him away. Felt really good about it. That, that was a rough choice. Traded him for what? I, I truly can't I'll probably find it in a minute. Give me a few minutes. We're, but... we're going to have to find that out. <laughs> just, just saw your comment about not having, a, not having a tight end in your team. As the guy who's playing someone week one that doesn't have a tight end in their team, I'm all for it, so you, 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 you crack on, sir. Yeah, but this I is, this is, this is what I do every year. I don't draft a kicker. I don't draft a defense. I don't draft a second QB. I just take all the skill position players I can yeah. and, and watch other people drafting, you know, the Ravens and, and uh, Justin Tucker and all these other characters. And I'm just thinking, I don't care. You take them. That leaves a skill position for me. And then... And, and it comes to you know 5:30 p.m. on the well it'll be on the uh, Thursday night game. Just before that, I'll, I'll shuffle around my squad and make it you know make the lineup. So but, I've just found the result the result of this trade with Jamal Chase, and it's actually somehow even worse than you could possibly imagine. Uh, um, are you sure you want to say this? I don't no, know. I, yeah. So, it, so Lewis, is this, it going to be is it going to be Calvin Ridley? This, is that what's going to be? Is, this is the level of <laughs> trouble I found myself in at the start of last season. I don't know where you were to help me out. <laughs> I'm going to dump the blame on Lewis here um, so I traded um, to a Jags fan I believe uh, Debo Samuel and Jamar Chase oh. for oh Darrell Henderson and a second round pick <laughs> <laughs> oh <my laughs> is that the worst trade you've ever seen in a real league 
That's what. That's genuinely one of the worst trades. You <laughs> traded away, I think, the wide receiver two and three <laughs> from last year. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get overexcitable with these trades, Mike. <laughs> is this is this why you invite me on each year? Is just so that you can. Well, you you guys don't see. Si actually keeps me on at the end for an hour, and he pays me fifty quid, and I answer all, all all of his questions for him. Um, it's like a scene confessional. I, yeah, I definitely think Sai like believes the hype and always acts a little bit too early, but I, I don't mind it because it you know offers up opportunities in leagues to. To get a jump on him. At the end of the that's... day, I finished seventh and Gav finished fifth. <laughs> that's so. It's kind of what I was about to touch on. Is like I really try and turn off and switch off from um, camp hype and stuff because it doesn't really mean anything a lot of the time. Um, you know, we had so much last year of like Jamar Chase can't catch. We'd seen him in college. We knew he, he could catch, but it's exactly the same the other way that you're seeing take Damian Pierce as an example at the moment. I was actually, he was my RB4 before the draft. So I was actually quite in on the talent, but I'm not then trading firsts for him now when there's a bit of camp pipe around him, when I could have been drafting him for a mid second two months ago. I try, I try as much as I can to ignore everything coming out at the moment because obviously every team wants to say to their beat reporters, our rookies are amazing. We're being absolutely blown away by them. Um, or, you know, all of our free agent pickups are incredible. We're an incredible team. We're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, you, you have to think about why people are saying things. Um, and, you know, when it comes to... There, there can be some stuff, if it's off-field issues, that maybe you want to pay a bit more attention to. But, like... The Jamar Chase thing with he can't catch when he was dominating every college DB for for two years. We knew he could catch. The ball's bigger, um, Lewis. They don't tell, the ball's bigger. <laughs> That's what I was told. <laughs> I don't think you can try and claim that you were now that you were right to think the way you did. <laughs> what I love is that I totally forgot about the Debo Samuel part. I remember at the yeah. time throwing Debo in as a sweetener because. Um, like I'd kind of, I kind of gone out on Debo. I feel like he'd had a disappointing year the year before. Uh, I was kind of out on him. And that bit me in the backside. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair to say he lost that trade. Yeah. Um, can, can we talk about uh, a little bit of strategy, draft strategy? Because I, I do think it's important. So we, we've gone through quite a few different um, periods of of different strategies. I think we talked about draft strategies last year as well. But it does seem Hero RB is kind of settled as the kind of most popular one. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it seems to be at the moment, and it's not actually something that I'm particularly interested in. Um, I think it's really come from, it's the idea of the running back dead zone in sort of the third to fifth round when you end up taking these, they're referred to quite a lot as like volume-based RB2s, which is, yes, I don't think this person, this player is amazing, but he's going to see so much work and there's just very little upside. You're Josh Jacobs of the world. Mm. Um, and so people are falling falling for that and going you know i can have cmc jt derek henry locking down my rb1 spot and then i can fill in elsewhere because i think running back tends to be the easiest position to fill in later because there's so many injuries um for me i actually kind of tend to go the other way i i with the way the wide receiver position is this year i think there's a very clear kind of top five and then there's questions about a lot of people afterwards um, so I'm actually kind of happy waiting until I, I mean, I'm in my home league draft at the moment and I waited until the the fifth or sixth to take my 
first wide receiver, and I'm just sort of filling in now after trading up a couple of times. The um, fifth or sixth round? Yeah, somewhere up. Yeah. Uh, so I started off with this is a super flex league. I started off with um, Lamar Jackson, then Mark Andrews, Trey Lance, um, who. Oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, Lamar, Derek Henry, Mark Andrews, Trey Lance, then James Conner. And then drop Michael Pittman after. So mm, nice. I like, I like Pittman. That's a good pick there. I really like Pittman, but like, and then I've waited. I'm then taken like Alan Robinson and Brandon Cooks later on. Like, I, there's a mid round, uh, a kind of a mid round range of wide receivers, which is like A. Rob, uh, Brandon Cooks, Amon Ra. I like quite like Adam Thielen, um, Rashad Bateman, um, even mm. then like Hunter Renfro, Elijah Moore. Like, I quite happy with them. So I've actually kind of gone the other way. Um, yeah. not necessarily intentionally as a I'm going to fight back against what the industry is doing because you are right that here RB is a strategy that we've seen quite a lot um, for me I, I like loading up on running backs early on because otherwise you find yourself in a spot accidentally where suddenly your running back two is uh, you know Cordero Patterson right yeah I mean that's that's like it's good to zig when other people are zagging because then you get value um, and also that that was kind of the strategy when I started playing fan, fantasy sort of 10, 15 years ago that you you went running back, running back. And everyone went running back, running back. That was yeah. that was that was the thing. And if you didn't, you were kind of maybe you took Calvin Johnson in the second round and a few eyebrows went up. Yeah. But um, that 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 strategy seems very old now. And um, yeah, interesting. So what about if you do do uh, hero RB? Um, what do you make of these uh, running backs that are kind of the second running back on the team, but are still getting drafted quite high, like uh, Tony Pollard? Um, there's there's quite a few, like uh, James Robinson's going. Um, who else? Yeah. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. AJ Dillon, people like that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I'm quite happy looking at players in an RB2 sort of range, RB2, RB3, um, when they have a clear defined role beyond the starter. So, Kareem Hunt is the third down back. He is the pass catcher on the team. The same for Tony Pollard. Um, AJ Dillon actually is kind of the early down back. Um, they mm. tend to just swap things around a little bit there. And the thing with AJ Dillon, he's someone I quite like this year because of how terrible the Packers wide receiver core is. Um, so he's going to find his way into the field a lot because I think their best wide receiver is actually Aaron Jones. So I think you'll see a lot of two back sets or, or Aaron Jones playing, kicking out to the slot um, and AJ didn't getting a lot of work. So I'm quite happy looking at, you know, filling a, a spot with a team's RB2 on the depth chart when actually you can see they have a defined role. Um, it's when you start looking at kind of I'm taking if you are taking Tony Pollard because you think he's going to get a lot of pass catching work, then I'm completely fine with it. If you're taking Tony Pollard quite high because you're like, if if Zeke gets injured, he's going to be elite, then you you are right, but you're gambling on something that probably isn't going to happen. Um, so I'm I'm much happier taking where I can see the path to relevance with everything staying as it is. Um, I'm slightly less okay with it when you're looking at someone and going, if this happens and this happens and this happens, then they're going to be fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of a dangerous one. I, I know it's, you know, it's the way most of us have played fantasy is like you're saying, Gav, for a while that we, you load up on running backs early on. Um, I'm not quite at the stage where I'm straying away from that strategy in a lot of places. Mm. Interesting. You mentioned uh, Alan Lazard there. 
Or you didn't mention him, but uh, you know, yeah. you were. <laughs> uh, is he the wide receiver one in Green Bay, and wh- where should be taking him? I mean, you, traditionally, you know, Green Bay wide receivers usually a pretty good bet. I mean, he, looking here, he's ranked forty on this mysterious website that I use. That's because <laughs> Wisconsin is dude's country. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Romeo Dubs is of interest, but again, not for a much later flyer. Aaron Rodgers typically doesn't click with rookie uh, with rookie wide receivers. Um, my honest answer to the question, um, and I've said this in quite a few places across the offseason, is I think the Packers wide receiver one is Aaron Jones. Um, and I'm not particularly interested in looking at Alan Lazard and looking at the way he's been over the last few seasons. We've got enough from him to know that he's not going to be particularly fancy relevant. Like I was saying, um, vacated targets tend to go to the running back, not to other wide receivers. Um so I'm more interested in looking at the impact elsewhere. One of the interesting things is going to be down in the red zone because obviously Devante Adams was such a prolific red zone threat. Um, so it's looking at what they do there. Again, looking at... Uh, Alan Lazard's massive and he's going to get some targets. I think Robert Tonyan could be of interest. Um, again, after being injured last season, um, I definitely think the running backs are going to get more work down in the red zone. But... I think you're going to have a situation with the Packers wide receivers that um, that we've seen with with kind of previous teams um, where there's a bit of an uncertain situation where each week a Packers wide receiver will be startable and will finish in the top 24, but you don't know which one it's going to be. Oh, uh, I hate that. That's the worst. Yeah, you're going to end up with some Alan Lazard weeks. You're going to end up with some Randall Cobb weeks. You're going to end up um, with some Romeo Dubs weeks, you're going to end up with Sammy Watkins weeks. Um, as much as I don't want you to, like you're you're going to. So so for me, because Alan Lazard has now snuck um, back up into actually, you know, the sort of range I was talking about beforehand. In turn, when I was talking about Drake London with like the Devonta Smith under run for Elijah Moore, Alan Lazard actually on sleeper is the next running back in uh, next uh, wide receiver in that range, and I'm much more interested in everyone else around there. <laughs> Um, or even looking away later and looking at kind of Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Chase Claypool, um, Kadarius Tony. Um, I'm much more interested in in um, those kind of players than taking a gamble on a player to break out because of opportunity, not because of talent. Mm. What about um, really good wide receiver twos on their team? Like you mentioned, T Higgins with his breakout. What about I mean, whoever it is between Waddle and, and Hill. And uh, also, you mentioned Adam Robinson. He, he's, yeah. he's sort of a two behind Cup. So you're obviously pretty high on, on these these number twos. Do you think they can you can draft them and slot them in as your wide receiver two and be confident that they're going to give you, you know, somewhere in 15 to 20 points every week? Do you think, do you think that's realistic? I think so. Um, the NFL is, you know, transitioned to a... a passing volume league and especially with um kind of the best teams so you're seeing quarterbacks throwing or you know 40 to 50 times a game um you're going to see significant volume for a few different players so looking at players that are less touchdown dependent and players that are going to get volume um every year we see at least one i think it was 2010 was the last time that we didn't see, or maybe it was 2014, but either way, it was quite a, quite a while ago. Um, the last time we didn't see two wide receivers, two wide receivers from the same team finish in the top 24. Um, mm. What it does is it creates a little bit less stability um, for your team when you're drafting um, the wide receiver two from that team. 
Um, I would never, uh, no, not to say I would never, but I would always be a bit worried about ha- having two skill positions from the same team on your roster. Um, That's interesting because a lot of a lot of people talk about stacking players, right? Yeah. Where you stack the the quarterback and the and the wide yeah. receiver or the running back. Does that not apply to the wide receivers? You think that one's going to eat and the other isn't? So I, you'll notice I said skill position. So stacking mm. is something I absolutely love. Um, and I think the best way to showcase how important stacking is, and this is actually something that was said on the Fancy Footballers, was if you are playing against a team and you see they have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you are terrified of that team. Um, and that just shows you what an impact it can have um, when you have an elite stack on your team can make a huge difference. Almost every big best ball tournament that's been won in the last few years has been someone with a really valuable stack. Stafford and Cup last year was incredible. Um, you yeah, know, um, it, it, It's a really, really valuable tool. But looking at different skill position players, the reason it works so well, obviously, with quarterbacks and pass catches, um, you know, that, that can be running backs as well. It, obviously can be tight ends uh, as well as wide receivers um is that when a touchdown is thrown you're getting points for both um the thing with having two skill position players is if the most important thing comes from touchdowns not yardage that's really what we're looking for every time jamar chase catches a touchdown it means that t higgins didn't catch that touchdown um so i think you're just there's nothing wrong with it because i think if you asked both of us, if you asked everyone here, would you be happy with Jamar Chase as your wide receiver one? And then asked everyone again, would you be happy with T Higgins as wide receiver two? Of course you would. You're just limiting the upside of your team a little bit by the fact that, you know, every play that one um, receiver does something, the other by nature of it can't have done that thing. Yeah, I mean, my issue with stacking is that that's the ups- that's looking at the sunny up plans of oh great my you know we had four tds and you know from pat, pat mahomes and kelsey scored two of them the, the the opposite is also true that no tds were scored in that game and both of your players have scored nothing so i guess it's almost like a ceiling yeah. play versus a floor play yeah and and i think you know i can see the virtue of spreading things around a little bit um one of the interesting things about looking at it is yeah it can happen of course it can happen um but there are so many plays in football. Um, there's so much volume. It's very rare that you're going to get absolutely nothing, um, especially when you're looking. It's why I sort of tend to stray away from stacking as a tool across the board for everything, no matter what players I'm drafting. And I'm looking at kind of those elite stacks where I can get them. So I was talking about the league where I've just drafted um Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews or talking about the Cup Stafford stack or the Burrow Chase stack, you know, Alan Diggs, because you know that they're players that are going to have, you know, they can have incredible performances, even if it doesn't involve one another, that they're going to be elite players. I'm not particularly interested in going, oh, guys, I've got a really scary team this week. I've got the um, Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk stack. Um it's not yeah. because, you know, then there is a much lower floor. There is a, a very different range of outcomes. But like looking at those elite stacks, it just it feels much safer. Um, and it feels, you know, part of it's all emotional about having that intimidating mm. team. But um, it it's something that has been shown to work, especially with kind of those more elite players where, where you know they're going to succeed outside of each other as well. Right. It's, it's definitely something that's come out of the 
best ball world, isn't it? Like, yeah. Do you, has it, do you think it's do you think it's a good strategy for redraft or dynasty, or, or do you think it's more of a best ball thing? Um, best ball obviously is somewhere that it worked better, but I'm perfectly happy doing it in redraft as well. Um, it's it's kind of I'm not clued up enough on the data myself or on data generally myself to to be able to show you exactly why. But um, if you um, Tom Strachan on Twitter. Um, who is at, I think, NFL underscore T-Strack, does some incredible things with data looking at stacking, uh, has done so recently. And when you look through, you know, the arguments for it and the evidence of its success, um, it's it's pretty obvious that it can work in any league. Um, so, yeah, like best ball, you can obviously see why there's huge upside to um, having, you know, Joe Burrow and T Higgins on your week, uh, on your team when, you know, T Higgins catches two touchdowns, you know, um, but there's real evidence as to why it can work in redraft leagues as well. Cool. Right, has anyone got anything to say? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, again, I've been hogging this. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we spoke about uh, George Pickens a little bit. Do we want, in fact, can I hit you with some of the guys that might be fantasy relevant on the Steelers and you can just give me a quick hit on, on your thoughts up or down, uh, Lewis? Yeah. So we'll start with... So Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, the quarterbacks, obviously we're facing a difficult decision in redraft because... You don't necessarily know if one or the other is going to start the whole season, some of the season, or none of the season. Um, are you interested in any of those guys at all in redraft, if it's super flex, or, <laughs> or in Dynasty, how are you looking at Kenny Pickett? I was going to say, I don't think you face a difficult decision in redraft, because I think you just don't draft either of them. Fair play. Um, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Trubisky has has huge upside. Like I know he's got better weapons, and I know he spent this season... Um, in buffalo um so you know maybe he's been completely rehabbed yeah, he, went, he went to the mountains like, and yeah he was like yeah. <laughs> caused light commercial he just kind of sat there and and you know took it yeah all yeah and and there's this talk about you know could it could he really tell into a different quarterback i think we have enough evidence of who mitch Trubisky is um so i'm not particularly interested kenny pickett's interesting in dynasty um in a super flex league i was perfectly happy taking him about the 105 106 just because having a starting quarterback is gold dust in the Superflex league and you know you have a really really good setup just because you have Mike Tomlin you have really good weapons as well he's got a, a, a very talented running back less so on the offensive line but um we will stay away from that because I know it will upset all of you <laughs> um so I'm kind of fine with him looking to the future as a as a quarterback two quarterback three option um i don't think there's huge upside there just because whilst he has a decent arm but not a huge arm he has decent mobility but not you know he's not going to be a, a rushing quarterback so i think he's gonna fit in around that quarterback two range as someone that you can start but someone that you're not you're unlikely to get kind of those boom weeks from fair enough uh, now lewis i'm not going to make this all about me in trades that i've made but i think this is relevant given what you just said <laughs> Um, we were approaching the back half in a steel. This is in a Steelers league, so maybe surprised he was there. The back half of the uh, first round of the rookie draft recently, and uh, I draft. I traded away. I think for like the one oh seven or something. It was um, when Kenny Pickett was still on the board to go take him. I traded Tyreek Hill straight up. Thoughts? Uh, I can see <laughs> again. I can I can see the argument. It depends on where your team is. That like yeah. Uh, if, yeah. If it, if you're trying to, if you're rebuilding and you think I want to get out from Tyreek, um, I think Tyreek Hill is worth a lot more than 107. But I can see the argument with trading a, a you know, an aging wide receiver for a quarterback for a rookie quarterback. I, I was that I, impressed with what I'd seen from Kenny Pickett days earlier that I, yeah, I was willing to take a take a hit on that. But <laughs> yeah, I look, look, 
I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but I, but you're not a hype beast, let's say. So. No, I'm kind of fine. I, like also, I think there's a certain appeal to, especially in dynasty leagues, to going and getting a guy. I yeah. traded for Cooper Cup before the uh, beginning of last season. Obviously, went very well. Um, but it very much was a. It wasn't a. I have this evidence for why I think he's been going to be amazing. It was. I love Cooper Cup. I want to have Cooper Cup. So I can completely understand. I I think I spoke with you guys about this last time about like fantasy's fun, make it fun, yeah. draft the guys that you want on your team. So I'm kind of fine with it as a big Steelers fan for for that reason alone. Yeah, makes sense. I agree. Stop doing what I do and pick up Deshaun Watson at the end of every redraft. Hoping that you're going to get like some playoff resurgence from him. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make um, it fun. Don't yeah. have players you don't want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I got Damian Pierce with the last pick of that first round anyway. So I, I was happy with the whole. Um, yeah. Okay, Najee Harris, I feel like, is the big one. Um, still targeting him in the first round? What did you think of his first year? I was, um, and I think we spoke about this last year, and I've spoken about it on Twitter a few times. I was not particularly impressed with Najee Harris's first year. Um, not because I don't think he's a good talent, but because I think the O-line was pretty terrible, as you guys know, and I think he... If Najee Harris had <laughs> finished as the um, the running back... 12 last year having ran the way he did having had less um dump offs and less of his his volume coming from big ben's historically short time to throw behind a bad offensive line i would have been more okay with him this year as an upside pick i think it's now the impression in my head of a lot of the finish last year came from sort of really good ppr value from having sort of eight to nine targets a game from Big Ben just panicking and giving the ball and throwing the ball to him as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, throwing I, to him on fourth and ten, uh, three yeah. yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with, a, with, with a nice swing pass out when he's not even out in space. Um, so, like, I, I can see... I think it's then, it's kind of an... Impre- you know, it's a personal impression thing of, like, because he finished the way he did, but I don't think it's particularly sustainable because I don't think you will want to run him into the ground as much as you have. And I don't think he will be getting the same volume. I am really happy um, taking Najee Harris at the back of the first. And I think that's about where he should be going. Um, just because I I think his upside is slightly capped from losing that receiving volume, from um, the offensive line still looking about the same, even though I did like the James Daniels pickup, but all the camp reports um, and everyone talking about the Steelers' line is, is particularly unimpressed with them. And also having a more mobile quarterback, whichever of the two that ends up being, it means that the 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 moment where the pocket collapses and the quarterback panics, where Big Ben would just be tossing the ball to Najee Harris, Trubisky and Pickett will be escaping and trying to do something themselves. So, like, I think his upside is slightly capped by that. Now, all of this isn't to say that I don't like Najee. Like, I think he's a a, a very good player, um, and I think there is no way that he finishes outside of the top 10. I think he's one of the safest picks um, in football, uh, just because, you know, he's he's going to get ridiculous volume again. Um who have you got higher, Harris or Henry? Derek Henry. Okay, who have you got higher, Cook or Harris? Uh, Damon Cook. Okay, what about Swift and Harris? <laughs> Probably Najee. Well, there we go. Okay, Mixon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Mixon. Okay, and Kamara, lastly? Kamara. Okay, wow. 
All right, um, Barkley. Just the last one, Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley is like RB20. So <laughs> Wow, okay, you're well yeah, down on Barkley. Najee Harris. I, I am quite down on Barkley, and I have been for a while. I just, again, it's a, like a, a sort of an, an upside and floor thing that like when I was watching, I know he was recovered from an injury, and I know, um, you know, he's the injury that he had made is quite difficult to recover from. But like when I was watching Saquon Barkley last year, and then I was watching, I can't remember who the backup was for the Giants, who was, they finished with the exact same points per game, uh, I really uh, enjoyed. Yeah. Um, was it, I, it wasn't Gorman, was it? It was someone else, that was the year before. Was it Gorman? Yeah. No, it was, I can't remember who it was. Um, but it was when I'd be watching, you know the times when you're, you're, you're watching um, football and you'll be like, oh, that's an outstanding run by so-and-so. And then you'll be like, oh. Uh, Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I'd watch, I'd watch the Giants run, you know, and the running back would run for like twelve yards. And I'd be like, oh, that was a brilliant run. And then it would be Booker instead of Saquon. Like I, the eye test, like I couldn't really see the same juice from him. Um, so I am, I am quite low on him. So you're you're saying he is basically Devontae Booker? It's essentially <laughs> last year I couldn't see a huge difference. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was so high on Devontae Booker coming out, dude. I think I'd spent like a sixth round dynasty startup draft pick on Devontae Booker. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out? No, not too great. <laughs> uh, um, uh, what about Claypool? How are we feeling about Claypool? Because none, none of us are really sure about what is happening with mm. with Claypool on this team. You know, it's such a massive question in real football, but it's also a bit of a question in, in fantasy football because he's obviously a guy that's got really, really high upside, but it seems like everywhere's all over the place on him what do you think about Claypool yeah well it seems like he's playing the big slot role doesn't it and and that's what we saw towards the end of last year but also projects as what he's going to be doing this year so I think again the upside is a little bit limited um but it does probably give him a little bit more volume um I'm not really I was having a look through sort of Steelers vacated targets um before I came on and it's not actually particularly interesting because you know, the the highest, whilst you have something like 168 vacated targets this year, like the majority of those were Ray Ray McLeod. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's anything that we really should be paying too much attention to. But um, with a, um, a rookie quarterback or a not particularly good quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, um, the slot receiver or tight end tends to be their best friend. Um, mm just because it's, you know, you can get open quickly. You don't have to, you know, make, you can just read one route. Yeah, he's one, done. Um, so I think Claypool is, is going to be fine this year. Again, he's not someone that I'm particularly targeting as an upside pick. But if I've gone for a little bit less stability with my wide receiver one or two, um, I'm fine with looking him around kind of the wide receiver three range um, because I think he'll have relatively stable volume um, starting in the slot. W- would you be drafting him ahead of George Pickens? Um, yes, uh, just because I think George Pickens is going to take a... I, I wouldn't be expecting to see George Pickens completely breaking out day one. Um, but again, it depends on team build. But like, if I have some really solid picks for wide receiver one and two, or even say even, you, you know, George Pickens is going around sort of like the ninth or 10th um, around that sort of range. So if I've got three solid wide receivers and I go 
Pickens could be the next one to explode. Same as when I'm looking at like a Sky Moore type that you go, actually, I can really afford to take you here because I'm really confident in um, the wide receivers I can start in the meantime. And again, I'm going to, like I was saying with the waiver stuff at the beginning, I'm going to know quite quickly if I was wrong. Mm. Um, If I'm going to take George Pickens as my wide receiver four and go, I think you're going to explode straight off the gate. And then um, we see actually um, he's not quite taken to the NFL or actually Claypool's playing a bit more out wide. There's, you know, a a change in a lot more just two wide receiver sets and George Pickens isn't starting in them. Then, okay, you know, I was wrong. We can cut and move on. Um, I'm very happy taking Pickens as an upside pick. I think that's kind of the debate between Pickens and Claypool at the moment that I think um, Claypool probably has a slightly higher floor. Cool. Is that, is that, have we talked about everyone on the Steelers? Yeah, or more or less. Talk... The only other one is Muth, I guess. Well, we didn't talk about Deontay as oh, well. I suppose we didn't, no. Um, but Deontay is just, like, he's just going to have volume and he's going to yeah. be good in the PPR. Like, he's, again, it's it's a similar thing to what we we're talking about previously about sort of um, upside and floor, like, very, very high floor. A floor of about probably wide receiver 15. Like, I don't really see any way he can finish under that just because he will get a lot of volume. Um, but could he finish in the top three wide receivers? Probably not. Um, he's probably not going to get the ridiculous volume just because of who else is on the team. He'll get a very, very good, very, very stable volume, but he's not going to get, you know, Michael Thomas a few years ago level. Um, and then probably isn't a perfect enough red zone threat to, to see, you know, wide receiver three upside. Um, but, perfectly happy taking him as someone that I know is likely going to give me a floor of 10 to 12 points each week cool anyone else on the, on the there's no one else draftable is there apart from Muth and we've, we talked about the sort of Muth area of tight ends where it's tricky to really know yeah I'm uh, the um, I'm kind of happy taking I haven't actually ended up with um, Frymuth in many places and I think that's just because I don't think there's likely to be five um, good uh, fantasy options coming out of this offense. I, I think it's either Claypool or Pat Frymuth, um, or Najee is having a lot of work in the short game. Like, I, and I think Pat Frymuth might be the one to miss out a little bit. And it's more around kind of that sort of range, like. I spoke about with kind of Cole Komet and even I think Zach Ertz is going in a relatively similar range to Pat Friary so I'm kind of happy knowing someone that if I'm waiting on tight end I want to take someone that I know is going to have either slightly higher touch uh, touch on upside with a lot more opportunity or a slightly higher floor with being sort of the the two or the three on the team as opposed to a world in which as talented as he is uh, quite high on the talent um, there's a world in which he's the fifth receiving option on the team. Mm. Although in the preseason he has looked, especially with Pickett, there seemed to be a connection there. So I'm, yeah. I'm thinking for dynasty with if you know Pickett and Muth connection seems potentially to be real for 2023 maybe. Yeah, I, I said earlier that like a uh, tight end is off, often the best friend of a rookie quarterback. So um, and I think Pat Fryer is really good and he's massive. 
Um, so it can be very helpful for yeah. a rookie quarterback coming in whenever Kenny Pickett does end up starting. But for a redraft this year, I'm not particularly interested. Just a little tip for you, Lewis, because maybe you haven't watched the preseason Steelers games. So Pickett's range seems to be the seam between the numbers kind of kind of area, and that's where Muth has been dominating. So it does seem like he is going to be going to be yeah. that is going to be a little uh, a little connection there. That's quite exciting. Yeah, has, has anyone yeah. else? Anyone else got any, any any questions for or tips or anything they want off of Lewis before we move on to our listener league thing? I was just going to say, uh, this is maybe a, va- a bit of a vague question, but we haven't really opened it up for you, Lewis. It, it, have you got like any sort of, however long the list may be, sort of like a, a list of guys that are your guys that you maybe see as, as way higher than their average average draft position? or Deep sleepers, yeah. yeah. Be they sleepers or just guys that you think are going to have a better year than they may be valued? Yeah, I've I've got a few sort of my guys for the season and less sort of the like deep sleeper level of thing. But just looking at the players that I'm really keen on, um, one in each position, um, Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, I'm quite keen on. Um, I just think, again, he's a really solid rusher. They brought in AJ Brown. I really like what the Eagles are doing um, on the offensive side of the ball. They've got a really good, um, a really good offensive line. So like, there's a real path. I think he's. I like to look and put to, try and put together a list um, of all of the players that I think have the potential to finish as the one mm. overall in their position. I think Jalen Hurts has that upside with the rushing floor um, yeah. compared, and then added to you know bringing AJ Brown in as well. Um, I'm really high on him, and this year I've been taking him everywhere I can. Um, running back, I've spoken about Aaron Jones um, is someone that I'm really high on. Um, again, you know, these aren't sort of deep sleepers, but they're the, the sort of mid-range players that I'm really interested in. Um, yeah. He's going to have ridiculous volume. He's going to have ridiculous passing volume, especially, um, and is the best skill position player on the Packers. Um, wide receiver. Um, this is someone that drops off every drops off in because he's not an exciting pick in in people's minds. But Keenan Allen. I knew you were going to say Keenan Allen. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> Yeah, I also really like Mike Williams, actually, and I'm kind of coming yeah. around to, depending on the team build, if I want sort of the stability or the upside, but, like, Keenan Allen is going to see, like, eight to nine to mm-hmm. ten targets every single game forever until he retires. Um, redraft, he's actually my wide receiver six, um, so I'm really happy to take him as, as my one. Um, and then, actually, tight end, I just mentioned as well, Zach Ertz, um, with DeAndre Hopkins out um, and with uh, every other receiver on the team being tiny, I think doesn't help. <laughs> um, obviously, with um, Hollywood coming over, with Rondell Moore, I think he's going to be quite prolific in the red zone, as he's been in his whole career, um, and a nice little safety blanket for Kyler Murray, that Kyler Murray, with his teeny tiny legs, can see over the bigger fight. <laughs> um, so I think he's, he's someone that's going to have a fair amount of upside this year, even if it feels weird in the year 2022 to be talking about the upside of Zach Ertz. Um, but I think, you know, he's he's someone I'm really interested in this year. I've got to quickly give you my two wide receivers because one of them you'll like, Alan Robinson, I think, yeah. is going to massively outperform yeah. his yeah. ADP. He's going in like the seventh round, I want to say. Um, yeah, sixth, sixth round, yeah. uh, around that sort of range. I, I feel like he's uh, he's going to be... I, I feel like if you drafted him in the third round, you'd be pleased this year. And, yeah. then, and then Juju Smith-Schuster is the other one, I think. <laughs> we've, we've got a hype up Juju on this show. <laughs> and uh, his position—he he is in position, man, for for a big a big jump. 
I I agree, and I think there's you know a very very if I had to um, bet on who I thought the wide receiver one was in terms of yardage, I'd be going for Gigi. Um, even though yes. the money the money would point towards MBS, but MBS just has such a specific role, um, and I think it's almost uh, the Chiefs trying to moneyball the Tyreek Hill loss that they've mm. gone. What does Tyreek Hill does? He takes the top off the defense, but also he plays a lot through the slot. So we're going to bring in a slot weapon, and we're going to bring in a deep threat. And um, MVS just happened to be more expensive because there were more people interested in him because speed kind of kills in the NFL. Um, so I'm really interested in Juju. I agree with you. Alan Robinson is just a really interesting thing about kind of, I'll refer to players quite a lot as stinky. Um, <laughs> that if, you know, I think Christian McCaffrey's a bit stinky at the moment because yeah. he let down last mm-hmm. year. I think there's there's players that you're like, if they've disappointed you, I think they've just got a stink to them. And I think Alan Robinson has never really cleared himself from the Bears stink. Um, especially because of how much he let you down last year. Um, but Bloke is clearly unbelievably talented and offers the Rams something that we didn't have um, in terms of kind of that big body contested catch wide receiver. Um, and we have seen that that is something that Matt Stafford likes, um, pointing towards the you know the highest uh, yardage season of all time in, with Calvin Johnson. So like... I think, yeah, I think he's going to be really prolific in the red zone. And I think also um, we didn't bring OBJ back yet. He will come back later. I'm confident in it. <laughs> he's he said uh, to your so group. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> um, you know, we traded away Robert Woods and Van Jefferson's injured to start the season as well. So um, Alan Robinson, I think, is a huge value for me. Oh, that's an interesting tier. And let's play a little game. So that's the tier four I've got on my mysterious rankings here that I, I don't want to say who they are. Is uh, <laughs> Tier four starts with Alan Robinson and ends with Juju Smith-Schuster. So what, everyone pitch in and then Lewis can give his his uh, his like the final word. So Sai, uh, Juju or Alan Robinson? Oh, that's rough. You've just given me both the guys I said were my... Sleep, yeah. like, under the, um, oh, that's easy, Sai. Come on. You're going to tell me it's Alan Robinson, aren't you, mate? Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Sell me on it. Cat, <laughs> uh, what are you saying? Juju. Yeah, I'm with Cat. I've got to go in my heart. I've been okay, taking Juju. Juju. <laughs> so, Lewis, who, who, are you, who are you drafting if those two are on the board? Alan Robinson. And it's not. Okay. Good man, Luke. Good man. It's, it's not even <laughs> particularly. Yeah. You, see the, you see the hype guys here. Okay. Let's go. Uh, all right. So, let's say Alan Robinson's top of the list here. Um, DK Metcalf or Juju? Juju. Sorry. Cat? Yeah, same. Mike? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably lean towards Juju, actually. Okay, Lewis? DK. All right. Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquise Brown. Sorry. Yeah, Juju. Catch. Pitto. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll go Juju. Lewis? I think probably Juju. Ooh. Okay, Juju Smith-Schuster and Darnell Mooney. Sorry. Juju. Yes. <laughs> is Juju yeah. your wide receiver one side? <laughs> Juju <laughs> or Tyreek Hill? Juju. <laughs> I think I get the. I get. Okay, I think you're going to be Juju against all these guys. Yeah. So I, yeah. I possibly get Mike Juju or Donnell Mooney. I'll t- I'll take Mooney. Okay, Lewis. Mooney. All right. Uh, Bateman versus Juju. Who's taking? Okay, I know these fools are taking Juju. <laughs> Uh, Lewis, who's taking Mike? Let's taking... see Bateman catch a pass in the NFL before we start taking him over Juju. Come on now. Mike, who are you taking? Yeah, I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably lean Bateman. Right, Lewis. 
like Bateman by quite a lot. Oh, I'm, come on! I'm, I'm assuming Cats, you're 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 on the uh, GG train. Is that right? I am. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So basically, sign Cats. Tell me if any of these ones. So we, I'm skipping over, but I'm assuming you're on GG the whole way. Right, Mike. Sign and Cats. Jerry Rice or. Right, Mike. Juju or Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Lewis. GG. Ooh. Uh, Mike, uh, Juju or Amon Ra St. Brown? Actually, Sai. Juju or Amon Ra. I know he's one of your boys, isn't he? Stop pitting boys in my stable against each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would probably, yeah, I'd probably go Juju over Amon Ra. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing Kets would as well. Yeah. I think I'd go Amon Ra St. Brown. Oh, Kets, really? You are. I'm really, he's really turned my head recently, yeah. Ooh. You just okay. wish that John Brown was your dad. <laughs> he is. He is hench for, for fifty-five. <laughs> Scary fifty-five-year-old. That's always terrifying. Mike, are you taking Amon Ra or Juju? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Amon Ra. Okay, Lewis. Uh, I think Juju. Ooh, okay. Uh, two more, two more, everyone, before you get bored. Uh, Juju versus the other JJ, Jerry Judy. <laughs> Juju. Cats. Juju, despite what I said in the uh, Hall of Fame thing. Okay, Mike. Jerry Judy. Okay. Mike, come on. <laughs> Juju. Right. Okay, two more, actually. There's one more. That's Mike's not being invited to Juju's birthday party. I'm no, he's not. <laughs> Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. I'll start with Mike, because I'm assuming these two guys are taking Juju. <laughs> I'd probably... I'd probably... Uh, yeah, I'd probably take Juju. Okay. Lewis? Chris, Chris Godwin. There we go. Okay. Again, right, last one. By quite a lot. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, okay, last one. Amari Cooper. Mike? Uh, Juju, suspect quarterback play for a number of weeks. Gets inside, any any surprises here? I'd be tempted at uh, Amari Cooper. I think he's being a little bit slept on as well because of the quarterback situation. There's nobody else in that room, man. Someone's got to to take the ball. And Lewis? Juju, hashtag never draft a brown. Okay. Fair, fair. <laughs> and then just one, one for you, Lewis, before we move on. Uh, Elijah Moore or Juju? Uh, Elijah Moore. No, I thought you might say that based on what you were saying before. <laughs> okay, cool. That's fair. Uh, so, has anyone got anything else, or should we move on to our silly listener league thing? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm upset at the Antonio Gibson situation, but I don't want to get into all that. Um, I'm upset too. Having <laughs> he's my main RB two. I don't know what's going on there, but <laughs> it's awful. It's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. Uh, one quick one then before we go, before we go, Lewis. The mo- as we all know, the most important thing in fantasy football is not whether you win or lose, or who you draft, or your waiver pickup, or your fab, or even trading away Jamar Chase. Um, <laughs> it is. What idiot would do that? I don't know. It is. <laughs> what is your opinion on pun-related team names? Oh. <laughs> Because, because because the name Zach Ertz has been thrown around quite a bit and there's an obvious one on that which we've known yeah. for years it's a little bit old now a little bit tired we need fresh material uh, Lewis I am all ears <laughs> put him on the spot why don't you <laughs> Every, open forum open forum to anyone are you talking about the Tyler Eifert one Tyler Eifert no it, it's Zach Ertz when Eifert no 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 it's, it's the Zach Ertz when you start with the sends with my ball alright yeah well it, yeah okay it hurts when I thought I thought it was actually better. <laughs> I I'm perfectly happy with pun team names. I was I was running a uh, a couple of years ago quite a lot of a uh, Kentucky Clyde chicken with Edward Zelaya, um, <laughs> which is when I drafted him again at like a 106, 
I'm I'm perfectly happy with them. I'm afraid I don't have a huge amount to tell you because I'm still midway through a lot of drafts. Um, so I I like to I like to always base them off whoever I end up drafting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah, I want them to be quite specific to uh, to my team. I do actually have um, a player. So we in one of my main dynasty leagues, um, there's a couple of us that have theme teams. Um, and it started because a friend of mine drafted or ended up with um, Jonathan Taylor and uh, DeAndre Swift. So he has a Taylor Swift theme. <laughs> um, I have a Star Wars theme team called Sith Happens, um, <laughs> which with all of different. So uh, all of the players just have nicknames on sleepers. So you've got uh, some ones that I like. I like uh, the Kamar Andalorian. Um, <laughs> like that. Uh, Devonte Tube Adams. Uh, we've got uh, Obi Wan Keenan Obi. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the Empire Strayuk's back. Nice. <laughs> Strayuk's back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then my favourite um, is Justin Herbert, who is the 2020 Wookiee of the Year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> you put me nice. to shame in my my lack of inventiveness. <laughs> mm. uh. I'm, I'm, I'm straight onto my rosters looking at yeah. who I've got and I'll pull them talk amongst, you, you, talk, talk amongst <laughs> yourselves, gents. Where do, you, uh, where do you fit on this, Mike? Are you a big pun guy? Oh, yeah, sign me up. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think one of them I've got. Yes, yeah, so we uh, in, the, in one of the Cedar Leagues, haven't we? We've got uh, Heinz Ward. If you swap the two letters around, uh, mm-hmm. the first two words, wine's hard. Um, <laughs> but I do like the idea of amalgamating a player that you've drafted after into your team name yeah uh, until the end of Bonnie or um but i am definitely <laughs> going to take that lewis thank you you're welcome if there's nothing else you take from me coming on the show <laughs> yeah, yeah. i want it to be the way you build your team name mike literally is the most serious person on this podcast and has come with the most frivolous point i enjoyed it whatever gave you the impression i was the most serious person Breaking news, the Jags have traded LaVisca Chenault to the Panthers. Is he now fantasy relevant for my dynasty team Ooh. in which he still sits on the bench? Pick him up. No. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, what, wow. what for? What, what for? I haven't got the uh, compensation yet. I just saw the tweet come across the ticker. Oh, that hurts my, hurt my shares in DJ Moore. Maybe it doesn't. He's still on <laughs> wide receiver one, surely. Right, let's talk about formats then because that's what we're really here for. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we did last season... We ran a listener league with as a survivor mode, and it was it was possibly the oh. most exciting league I've ever played. In Lewis, have you got the you. Have you got the Justin Herbert drop there, Gav? Uh, oh wait, hang on. For uh, for, for Lewis, shall, 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 shall we te- shall we TV up Lewis a little bit? Yeah, so, yeah, we should. Um, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> not, not even time. Tee it up, Matt. Go on, Gav. <laughs> You got, you, got, you got the other one, Gav? I've got the what the full one. No, I, don't, oh, I need yeah. uh, the full one. Hang on. Yeah. Give me a second. Okay. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tee you up a little bit there before, uh, before. So, yeah, we Justin Herbert became available on waivers. And uh, You're familiar with the Survivor maybe, League, right, it's, Lewis? It's, it's, is this the, um, the kind of uh, guillotine? guillotine. That's Gu- the one. Yeah, yeah, guillotine format. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, whichever team was the, was the last one out, got the boot. Players ended up on waivers. And... Uh, Mr. Superhero himself, Rich, was keen to pick up Justin Herbert. So, found when out he, when you read, <laughs> I can't, I've you, got when, no idea. This is a year old drop. It just says Rich Justin Herbert full. So let's see what let's see what happens. Go for it. Oh, I got Justin Herbert. <laughs> 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 oh. 
live reaction. I am so psyched. Love how little attention Rich Rich pays this loop. Back in this baby. (laughs) (laughs) The the worst thing is, I think he got. You think he got the chop about a week or two later? Yeah, the next week. Really? Wait, wait. (laughs) Didn't I do like a? Yeah, I think I did another one. Anyway, anyway, let's move on from that. But um, so anyway, this year we are doing again. We're bringing it back, but. So I messed up the the entrance and left out uh, Mr. Matt Audley, who is the um, one of our super fans that um, was, was so keen that he he messaged Sai multiple in multiple channels saying I want to be part of the league, and then Sai just forgot about him and no, left him out. No, hang on a minute, that feels like a one-sided review of the stuff. Okay, well, well, do you want to say what happened? Well, yeah, you're right. He was, it was just that he was the most. He was the most active, but it wasn't like he mess. You're making it sound like he like left me five messages on different social media platforms, reminding me. (laughs) So, so you can challenge Gav and start that with, "Yeah, you're right." (laughs) (laughs) It was my fault. I screwed it up, and it was because he was the only one who did it right. You have apologized to him personally on air, so it's fine. Yep. Um, in you know when he was here, but um. So to make up for that, we're now transitioning to not just guillotine, but also vampire mode with this character, Matt Audley, playing the vampire. Okay. What do you, what do you think about that? How is that going to work? I'm not even sure it's going to fall on me to run it on Sleeper. And I'm really, really terrified that I'm going to mess it up. But it sounds like it's going to be fun. Have you, have you played a vampire league before? I've played in a vampire league once a couple of years ago, which I really, really enjoyed. I always like doing... Um, doing weird sort of roles and i remember talking i remember you guys were running the um the guillotine league for the first time and mm. talking about it last year um so i always like doing these things it's always fun as a commissioner being like oh i have to manage this now but like again this comes back to the thing of like fancy should be fun make it fun we're doing um i'm running a uh uh what we're calling a rules royale league which is the um highest scoring team each week chooses a rule for the next week um mm with the caveat that it has to be something that affects everyone equally. So you can't be like, my players score double. Um, (laughs) But things like, um, you know, uh, touchdowns are worth one point instead of six. Or um, players on Thursday Night Football score double. Um, Or no no players from the NFC South. Like, you know, you can do it very, very (laughs) well. You can do it very targeted, either to try and boost your own team or try and impact someone else's team. It's going to be really interesting to try and manage. Yeah, yeah. And that bounces back, does it? So it's just just for the one week. Yeah, so it only lasts one week. And then again, it's the the next team that gets to decide. Um, So it hopefully should mean that you don't you don't get someone monopolizing for the whole year right. um, because you can only really confirm each week. Um, and it's made playoffs quite difficult, but we've got we've got a system in mind to try and figure through that. But I like all these sort of weird ways of playing fantasy and, and adding things in. So I think adding adding your vampires are a, a fun way to, uh, to to switch up the guillotine league a little yeah. bit. Any uh, any tips for the vampire league? Any Any experience? We've never done it before. I've only, like I said, I've I've only done it once, um, and it was a couple of years ago now. So probably, probably not too much. I can. Right. <laughs> I can Should probably I can. explain to the listeners. It's it's basically one player doesn't draft at all, and then is is the vampire and picks up his high, his entire team off waivers, and then if that team beats another team in any week, they can rob all the players off that team if they want. Wait, they can and steal just all move the forward. players. Well, they can steal. As many players as they want, oh, yeah, really? they have no choice. Oh, yeah, yeah. wow, yeah, it's pretty harsh. So then, with I'm yet to really <laughs> get my head around how it's going to work with yeah. 
the, the last team. But I think it's basically if you're the last team. But then how does it work with waivers? I don't know. We can have a, a long off-season, I mean, off-show <laughs> discussion about this because I'm really not sure. But it's going to be fun either way. We also um, had, when I played, I don't know if this is what you're doing, that the vampire also gets to choose who they face each week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pick yeah. the team. Yeah, but they can't pick the same team twice between yeah. week four and before the playoffs, right? Yeah, I yeah. It's week four to 14, um, yeah. which just, it never feels fun when the vampire decides you're the weakest team. No. That they want to <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of commissioner work, but it should be fun. The other, the other thing we're doing, me and Sai, is it just you and me, Sai? I think they're in that, that league, that, which is the 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 real teams fantasy yes. league, which yeah. is kind of weird. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, the, you, uh, you talk about that, Sai, because I'm, I'm a guest. There. Yeah, this was just something I got invited to, and then Gav, what team did you pick up, Gav? And was it Tampa Bay? Um, that with the Bucks? The Bucks, yeah. The yeah. Bucks. Where effectively someone has set it up. I think one of the a Colts fan. Uh, and invited 32 players to this league on Sleeper where each player has picked up a real-life team and can only roster the players from said real-life team for the first year. Interesting. So I picked up the Steelers, I've picked up all the Steelers players, Gav's got all the Tampa Bay players, and then, and I think for the first year we're going to kind of mirror any moves that get made, so LaVisca's going to be off to the Panthers, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, starting, so you're kind of at the same starting point after year one, and then from there I think you can start to build around it and sort of compare that to how the real team changes. A, an interesting format, be interesting to see how it works. I did a a slightly similar thing um, last year as part of the Five Yard uh, Charity Leagues, which was um, you essentially, uh, you have two drafts. The first draft, you draft teams. Um, there are two uh, uh two possible editions of each team um and then you draft your players afterwards from the teams you've drafted um so you can you know i if you have the 101 you might go i want the chiefs um but obviously someone else can also take the chiefs and they can draft against you i think i remember um, you explaining this last year yeah. i think is this yeah. something you did this year yeah 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 last yeah so i ended up with a monopoly of the bucks so i ended up with all Bucks players. I ended up with a monopoly of the Eagles as well, and I think of the Dolphins because no one else drafted them. So it ended up being a bit strange because I shared the Chiefs with someone else. Mm. But when it got to the actual draft, because I had the monopoly of those teams, I didn't have to draft them. I could just pick them up off waivers because no one else can play them. So I ended up getting all the Chiefs players as well <laughs> because oh. I could just draft them and no one else. Um, I I do like playing with weird formats at times, and yeah. um, I did pretty well in that league actually. So I think I headache for the commissioner. Does he remember? Yeah, that's tough. You got, <laughs> yeah, got, 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 got your bit of paper there with your phone looking at it. Yeah, well, we had you know we had uh, the the draft for the um, teams all took place in an Excel spreadsheet, um, which feels very sort of playing fantasy. Yeah. yeah, playing playing fantasy or you know, fifteen twenty years ago, or, or I remember playing and this is. Um, regular football fantasy and doing like submitting your tele- your telegraph slips each week to who you wanted transferred in like it it felt yeah. a bit more sort of going back a bit yeah. no, that's cool how do you feel about one last thing how do you feel about points for first down um i'm only really starting to see it now um and i don't really know how it balances out um because i think scoring is kind of fine with um mm. if, if, each scoring things we change you know Running backs were way too important, so we brought in PPR, and then quarterbacks aren't important enough, so we brought in superplex. And now I don't. I think the balance is about right, so I don't think you have to bring in points for first down. Okay. We we did it in the uh, guillotine league last year, and I quite liked it. Yeah, it's nice to change things up. Yeah. 
I just I just want to do as many crazy things. We also did the uh, minus quarter of a point for an incompletion plus quarter of a point for a completion. And I feel like that the QB suddenly were scoring massive amounts. But yeah. I do feel that that kind of reflects, you know, good QB play a little bit better than just yeah. like, you know, Jalen Hurts is a good runner, so you're gonna do well with him over other quarterbacks kind of scenario. Yeah, I like to throw in um I've I've played in kind of minus points for incompletion leagues before, but I like to throw in things like minus five points for a pick six or, or even say minus you know six points for a touchdown minus six for a pick six because yeah. you've essentially gained and lost your team the same thing um right. so trying to trying to throw in some different things we i played in a league once where a mixed extra missed extra point was minus 50 points for your kicker jeez. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just to say, you Brutal. know, it's, it's the most, it's the easiest thing to do. You know, you've got one job and you can barely do that. No, your team loses the week. <laughs> oh, let's uh, let's finish on that point. It should should kickers and defenses be be in fantasy, or should we move to IDP and no kickers? And what should I do with the guy who drafted the Pittsburgh Steelers defense in the second round? Um, oh, you yeah. should. So you should continue to play fantasy with him forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because because that's someone you need to keep in a league. Um, I don't like defenses and kickers just because I think there's it, it kind of takes the skill out a little bit because you can never really predict what's going to happen, especially with kickers. Defenses I can see an argument for. I am yet to get into IDP just because um, I play in so many leagues already and I have so much to learn. Um, I'm actually playing in my first IDP league this year. And I did no research and I got to the draft and I was like, oh, I have genuinely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I haven't felt like that for a very long time playing fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, I like trying out the new things. And I like getting into them. I don't know if I'm going to continue with IDP too much, but I'm actually, I'm quite passionately anti-kicker. I can see the argument in defense because it's at least slightly more yeah. strategic. I'm the so opposite. I mean, I'll I mean... get rid of defense, but I'm all for keeping the kickers. You like the kickers? You'd put punters in if you could. I would. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm in. I'm in. Well, one. I'm in one league that's been IDP for a while. It's a keeper league, 12, 12 man keeper league, and it's uh, how many? It's like it's like a four. I think it's two D line, three linebackers, and okay. two. Sounds familiar. Two yeah, DBs. I think that's too much, actually. Yeah. I think the better format for IDP is two IDP slots, which replace your one defense. That's that's um, the format that I'm playing in this year. Yeah. It's it's a chan it's a charity league for Dogs Trust called the Dog Bowl um, nice. that I'm playing in, and yeah, it's it's just two IDP slots, yeah. which I do like the idea of sort of paying more attention to the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that makes more sense because just replace effectively replacing the defense with two players means that yeah. there's, there's there's some premium positions and it all comes down to your scoring is like how how you know how how highly do you value tackles over sacks and interceptions yeah. and stuff yeah. like that um the league I'm in with the, with the full defense team it's kind of a bit frustrating every player is projected to get 3 points like no matter what position <laughs> and who they are um so it's kind of weird and it just just feels kind of meaningless i just yeah we just we just had the draft actually 2 days ago and like I, I kept I kept DeForest Buckner because I thought he was a kind of you know one of the the prime positions, and then everyone else I just I just didn't draft. I, I drafted a couple of linebackers and that was it. And everyone else yeah. I just kind of waver. So it's almost that point. You know, I I'll just see who's good, who's got the highest projected on the waiver wire, and pick them up. So it doesn't yeah. feel like there's much skill there either, to be honest. 
Yeah, I did a similar thing where I sort of just because I one of the problems that I found was I didn't know when in the draft I should start taking my IDP slots. Mm. Um, so I just sort of waited for someone to take um, for a few people to have taken because I didn't really even really know who like the top projected players were or even how the scoring worked. Um, so I just waited for people to take a few players and then I just took Aaron Donald. Right. Yeah, it's generally linebackers. <laughs> yeah, it's generally yeah. linebackers yeah. are the guys. So you're looking at like you know Raquan Smith, Bobby Wagner, those those that kind of guys. Them used to get stats for yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine tackles. Yeah, Demario Davis has been my go-to guy yeah. for a long time. Like he's okay. just an absolute tackle machine. But it, it really depends on the league. It's so it's so scoring dependent, and no one really knows. So I don't know. I, I do think it's going to make more of a. With with it with this thing, I think because traditionally ID you oh let's play IDP they go for like eight roster slots and they do all positions. I, I don't think that's going to take over, but I do think the two positions thing will replace defenses because it's more predictable. Yeah. Like you say, there's more skill in picking oh, who's going to be a tackle machine, you know, and, and 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 like you say, the skill is when do I take him? You know, do I yeah. take him over my wide receiver four, my running back three? When do I go there? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. It's just like you reach a point where you're like. I have to know so much information just to get through this. Um, and especially if you play, when you play in like the amount of leagues that I play in, um, it's quite hard to, you suddenly be like, Oh, I didn't even notice this was an IEP league, especially with the charity league. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, in that situation. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I, I can't be expected to keep up with uh, the defensive side of the ball as well. Gav, come on. This is it's getting a bit, a bit much now. <laughs> <laughs> seems like seems like you're barely keeping up with offense. So. <laughs> oh, cool. If you listened to our QB quiz last week, that does seem to be the prevailing narrative. You're right. Oh dear. Um, right. Should we should we wrap it up there? I don't want to keep. We've been going for like ninety minutes, aren't we? I said we'll try and keep it to an hour. I apologise, mm. Lewis, but uh, uh, as well, always, we get carried just, away. It's just a sign that we're enjoying ourselves. It's been really fun. <laughs> yeah. It's been really fun talking fancy with the guys. So I'm more than happy to. Oh, dude. Well, we appreciate it. We we uh, we hope you'll come back and visit us again this time next year. Maybe a bit earlier next year. We need to we need to get this in pre a lot of the drafts. But we we struggled with uh, with getting you in this year. I was worried I was <laughs> bothering you by messaging you every week trying to get you on. But no, I've been you know I've been uh, I, I moved house um, a few weeks ago and I've been on holiday a couple of times. So it's 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 very much been me and not you. It's genuinely a joy to come and join you guys. Um, <laughs> So I'm I'm more than happy to. Um, good, we, we we very much appreciate it. You're you're good people. people yeah. uh, so we should follow you at UK, at uh, sorry at Lewis Wood FF underscore UK. Any anywhere else yeah. people should find you? Uh, again on on King Fantasy Sports, which you can find on my Twitter. Um, and if you go on the website, there's always great content. It's a lovely group of guys writing for them. Um, so you can always find you know my content there, but all uh, also um, some other fantastic content. Uh, Rich, who runs it, has been doing being a breakdown of the fantasy relevant position uh, players for every single team. Um, so if you have your draft coming up soon, um, which you probably do uh, if you haven't already had it, um, then it's a great way to sort of have a quick overview of everything relevant. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's where to find me. Awesome. Yeah. I've just, I've just clicked on the King fantasy sports website and it's got uh, IDP tiered rankings linebackers up there. So maybe you should have checked your own <laughs> site you before you went into your draft. <laughs> there you go. That'll be, that'll be Iggy and Iggy's fantastic. He's our IDP specialist. All right, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So that's at K fantasy underscore sports and follow Lewis at Lewis Wood FF underscore UK. And uh, we'll wrap up the show here, so uh, follow the show at UK Steelers Pod. Follow me at Cy Wrote This For Gav, at GM Boom Up. Follow Mike at Mike underscore JF1. And follow Ketz at Ketz UK. And there you go. Wow. I've remembered everyone. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> cool. We'll see you all next week.
Go Steelers. See you guys. See you. <laughs>